0: Welcome to the Crash Chords Podcast. I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I'm John. I'm Steve. And our guest this week is the one and only Johnny Caligula. Thank you for joining us, Johnny.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Um, I always appreciate an active and uh, a participatory email when I receive it from someone who's interested in the podcast. So thank you for reaching out. And uh, before we get into your choice of album, I want to talk a little bit about you and the burlesque world, as I've brought you know, many a burlesque performer on from my DJing uh, life.
2: From all walks of
1: life. All walks of life.
0: So let's start with, um, I first really got to know you during Nerdless Fest, which um, Mary had performed, but you didn't perform in Nerdless Fest. You had just been going... I was just a hanger-on. You hanger-on. Um, but um, you do work with burlesque. You produce shows with, with Mary Sin, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, so Mary Sin and Sarah Top started Sin Factory, I think it was two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because they wanted to do Shakespeare burlesque shows together, and then... <laughs> Mary's email was the contact email for Epic Win. Oh, right. So yes. that's how they got booked doing shows in D.C. for the last few years, because the venue liked Epic Win so much that they contacted Mary, they asked her, hey, does Epic Win going to come back down? She'd respond, so Epic Win doesn't exist anymore, but I, I could get some people, and then immediately called her, so she's like, hey, Sarah, so, so could, we, could we do a show in D.C.? Do you have a car, right? <laughs> and then, like, a year or so later... I joined in because I decided to celebrate turning 30 by taking my clothes off for money.
0: That seems like a good way to celebrate turning 30, I I've like. celebrated a
1: couple of birthdays that way. Yeah, I, I <laughs> thought turning 30 I was going to settle down, mm-hmm. and the opposite happened. I think I just, it was like, things change. You ramped I, up the juice. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also, um, as much fun as burlesque is, I also try to take it seriously as like a, uh, a creative outlet, and also like an art form, and...
2: Oh, well, that's what I meant. R- yeah. ramped up the juice, you know, in the oh, artistic okay. sense. You know that, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought, I
1: thought you meant juice more uh, not G-rated juices. Of course. Of course it's funny. You I know, mean. when you think like, like, <laughs> a little bit of Jack Daniels, you know, like when Dad wants you to take a nap? Or is that just my family? Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> a mar- terrible, maybe a sorry. martini, uh, you know, replace some well, one out for well, the other. also, we're a Caligula household, so the rules are very different.
2: Of course. Sure. Then man. it should be vino. <laughs> Always la, vino. La Roma. Always. <laughs>
0: Um, And so, uh, working with Sin Factory, was that when you first started doing Burlesque, or had you done it before then?
1: No, uh, I mean, I'd just been a fan, and then I... Well, the thing, um, Mary keeps coming up with acts where she needs another body on stage to make them work. Right. So, I, as the current boyfriend, became that living prop for a number (laughs) of her acts. And we talked about it, and she's like, yeah, babe, I think you're going to be on stage performing by yourself within six months because you have stage presence and you're a giant attention whore. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> These are very important skills when being a burlesque performer.
1: I want a raffle back when uh, Charles Stunning and Sarah Tops were still doing Honey Badger. Mm-hmm. And some drunk person in the front just shouted out at me as I get the raffle back, what is this guy going to take off his clothes? And Charles Stunning had to gracefully segue away from that. But yeah. Mary realized I wouldn't shut up about it for the next week. She's like, so what's your list name going to be, when are you going to do this, and then I was basically the Sin Factory intern for a show or two, uh-huh. and then after that, it snowballed into getting bigger and bigger, and then I've been hosting. And hosting. I was going to say, you've
0: been hosting shows lately, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I've hosted now, I think, between a dozen and 20?
0: Yeah, and then you, like, the last one I remember reading about, because they're in DC, so I haven't been able to really make any of them, is the, um, you guys did a Marvel show, and uh, you hosted as the Punisher, right?
1: Now I have my Punisher act.
0: Oh no, you guys hosted as Foggy and Matt Murdock. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, you and Dick move.
1: Dick move was Matt Murdock because um, he has a
0: daredevil act.
1: He has a daredevil act, and I was Foggy <laughs> Nelson because I had a blonde wig in a suit. There you go. And uh, Dick and I, yeah, it's it's fun. It was also like the first time I've really been essentially the sidekick on stage. <laughs> yeah, for in, a, in a long time since like I guess like a grammar school play.
0: Yeah, usually you're used yeah. to being kind of the lead or.
1: Yeah. Also, we hadn't. We, he and I hadn't been co-hosting a lot or at all because right. it essentially was just we would take turns hosting when the other guy wasn't there. Oh, okay. Or I would host if he had. Or I would host for the act where he had to perform, so he wouldn't have to worry about hosting and performing in the same like half hour.
2: Got it. That well, makes a sense. question: During that Johnny Prop phase, did you garner enough of an audience that they really would have missed you if you had just disappeared as of that time? No. No. <laughs>
1: Sounds no, like you but did. But people or people liked me. Okay. It was, a, it that's, was a, no, that's the prereq. I think or I think it was also like Mary was. Uh, she has she has a Liz Lemon act that when she created it, she thought she'd do it once and never again. And, mm. it's, and it's that's the act that keeps getting booked no matter how many times she she's like, oh, no, it, the show's been off the air for four years, <laughs> still gets booked. Right. So I played Alec Baldwin in that, and like I have like two lines, and like it, like it was one of those things. Where she's like, yeah, no, you got a good stage presence. Yeah, oh, I, I see it. it when you turn a little bit to the right. Yeah, yeah maybe you like, know. Ah, just yeah. yeah, I see well, it. Well, you gotta you have to do the lemon. there
0: you go um so when building acts i always like to ask performers if you know you kind of create the concept and then find a song or if you find a song and then create the concept i know it can go either way but do you have one way you create acts more so than the other
1: uh i for the most part i think my acts actually start uh, with the song okay uh sometimes that or and i realize also that turns into that's why i have a ton of acts or acts in development where there's the same two artists over and over again (laughs) right it's either david bowie or nick cave (laughs) so i've been trying so so that's turned into like okay i could i could branch out it doesn't always have to be a nick cave nervous breakdown or a David Bowie, cocaine, Glamfest. It could be a different kind of act, right? Other people make music, right? <laughs> uh, so, and some of it, um, like the Punisher Act, that's actually, of all things, it's a, to a U2 cover of Happiness is a Warm Gun. Because I knew I'm like, uh, I didn't find a Punisher Act that was to that song. And yeah. I am like, oh, it's because you can't strip to that song. right? So then I had to find a cover that worked. And then of all the bands in the world, it was U2.
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's good to know they still have a use somewhere. So <laughs> well, I like to think that maybe there's at least one thing that these two following things share, even though I think I'm about to pull the faux pas, which I know no one ever likes when you compare burlesque to pornography. But if there's one thing that they do have in common, it's that if it exists, there's a porn of it. And if it exists, there's a burlesque of it. Like, they share that borrowing from just about every portion of pop culture. That element is, is common to both of them.
0: I mean, I'll find, I find in, in modern burlesque, it's very pop culture influenced, so I think that's the case now. I don't know that it was always the case, but I think it's maybe more the case now. Right. Because theme shows are much bigger and there are a lot of you know, different people doing burlesque. Like, I made a joke that you need to be an attention hoarder to do burlesque, but that's absolutely not true. Well, just in terms of of the way,
2: you know, you were just considering, like, thinking outside the box and trying to reshape the act into whatever you want. It seems that the medium allows you to do said thing.
1: You know, and usually when I come up with more nerdless acts, that usually starts with, like, the character and the theme, or, like, there's a reveal I could do that'd be really funny with Captain Kirk. And then it goes to... Well, what song should I use? Then that's usually where that starts. Yeah, if it's a uh, like I have a, a Catholic schoolboy number to deal with my Catholic school feelings. <laughs> that was a, that started with a song that I was like, "Oh, this is perfect for uh, Mr. Clarinet by the Birthday Party." It's perfect for me to express my yeah. rage as a band kid. That but see, that's Catholic.
2: my point. I don't, can't think of another medium in which like a Catholic schoolboy thing would be, I guess, alongside something about the Punisher, right? But it's like right. same medium, same art form, you know, but utilizing those two completely widely separate ideas. Completely Wildly. <laughs> completely Wildly. Well, you want to hammer that point home. I completely think. Wild. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Art. The Art. <laughs> not Wild. Not Wild. Not Turn Up the Juice. <laughs> completely,
1: completely Gene Wilder. Just
2: out there. There you go. <laughs> hey, That was, sounds like the that's gra- a different great kind name of for there. a Gene Wilder-only show. Completely. It's Completely Gene, Gene. Wilder. Oh,
3: God.
0: We it, can name it after his new sitcom, act?
1: Something Wilder. What, did he really have a sitcom? I don't even remember that. It was... No, no,
3: you got to go distance. What in, year? And distance. It was like... Something even
2: wilder. Friends was
1: still on. Like, Friends might have been new at the time. It was... Oh,
2: well, wow. That well, was electronically... No, that's actually later than I would have thought. Like, if a Gene Wilder had it a sitcom. It like was just...
1: I think it was that, and then he disappeared. I mean, like, I think, because I believe he was sick for a while. Yeah. But yeah, it was like, he did that, that sitcom. It was on for a second. Yeah. It was gone. I remember it because I have a freaky pop culture memory.
2: I don't see him in the TV light anyway. He's no, a, not. It, it was. He's big money in yeah. his own in his own meek way. It,
1: fell, it, it was one of those things. Where you're like, why are you doing this? Do you have a secret gambling problem? <laughs> are you you know when you're like with celebrities, you realize are bad with money, or which ones just have expense? Like Robert De Niro. Like I know Robert De Niro always tips a hundred dollars. Yeah. Because he's like, well, whatever. I'll make ten more. Meet the parents. That's right. Mm-hmm, I'll sure. start Eight film festivals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, the,
1: you hinted before
0: that you have a theater background, which. You said that you'd been in plays and oh, you used sorry. to like such that, a
1: long time ago. Yeah. Uh,
0: so did you go to did you do theater in school at all or
1: up until high school? Yeah. Uh, and then my Catholic high school's uh, theater program was so bad, they shut it down for a semester and then rebooted it with new teachers. Ah. So I didn't I didn't do theater at all in high school and then I went back to plays a little bit in college. But I missed, I think I, I real. it's something I didn't, it's basically like turning 30 and starting, Brussels I was like, oh, I should have been doing more f-ing theater with my life because I like performing.
0: Well, sure. I mean, and I've, I know a lot of other performers come from theater backgrounds, like both Nasty Knesset and Sapphire Jones. But oh, no, that's, no, no, no. That's,
1: the burlesque people with theater backgrounds, they have theater backgrounds. I kind of sort of know a little bit.
0: Okay, so you're that. saying that theater maybe influenced your desire to do burlesque, but you don't feel like you... It's a theater education that made yeah. you want to do burlesque.
1: Or in the same way, as like I like theater, like I like rap. Okay. I like them more than I have knowledge of them. Got it. Okay. So that's... I, or it's the same thing like, uh, like my my dancing style on stage i realize it's very close to femme appeal Mm -hmm. which is neither of us have dance training which is why people think we have modern dance training because it's just like (laughs) Mm. this is how the song makes me feel i don't i don't know if this is a school if this is anything if this is good well even if
2: you ever got like the acting bug i find that's a common thread between like people who go into movies or go into any other area of art that stems from theater they're Mm -hmm. always like i have to get back to the theater that's where it all began. <laughs> and then you inter- reintegrate that with whatever you're doing currently, which obviously yeah. burlesque already has in abundance.
1: Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a big thing is I also really like uh, working with a live crowd.
2: Yeah, gotcha.
1: That is a thing that...
2: Well, that's one of the things, especially for, as far as filmography is concerned. It's like they, don't, they can't deal with any live crowd there. So, of course, they would get back to theater in order to reestablish that. So it sounds like you already have that.
1: Yeah, and I can. That's and I like reading a room. I like. I mean, I was doing. Uh, I didn't realize how much I missed... or why I needed performing in my life because I got into karaoke huge when I first moved to New York, and right. I and it didn't hit me until I started doing bus. I'm like, oh, that was the like methadone to the heroine of performing in front of a live crowd it was <laughs> was karaoke.
0: Right. Well, sure. I mean, like, uh, I'm not. I've, I haven't done a lot of hosting, and I have had crippling stage fright for a long time. But I did host a small basement burlesque show within the last month. And I don't know that I liked hosting, but I, there was an adrenaline rush that I think was so intense, it's why I don't really remember any of my hosting. Like, it's kind of just a wash. Do you find that uh, when you host that you ever, you enjoy hosting, or it's just this kind of, like, because I know a lot of comedians compare it to, like, a drug of wanting to be in front of people and be on stage. Like, how, how do you feel about hosting versus bur- burlesque performing? Is there a difference? Is it the same kind of? drive
1: different. oh it's very different because it's different skill sets and uh i have i like public speaking mm-hmm. i really f-ing enjoy it mm-hmm. uh this is a swears podcast right? sure yeah absolutely. Be, why yeah. not
0: we, it's steve's job if we decide to remove it so it's not our problem. okay uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh i i i just like being out in front of groups of people mm-hmm. and talking oh, okay like, I, so i would do i i've done a little bit of storytelling like I, I'm totally into stand-up. Like I just like working a crowd, and mm-hmm. that is actually something that is just a natural inclination I have that's of a natural talent I would have, I would say. Well, Whereas burlesque, that's a whole other bunch of skill sets that I am still learning, that I'm still super new to. Mm-hmm. So in my head, the actual burlesque acts, that's so hard. That's super difficult. And hosting, that's more like getting to play pretend because yeah. also I almost always host in character right. well, that's exactly
2: why I don't think you can put it under the same umbrella as like what Matt just said the oh crippling stra- stage fright you know right. just just in, in general it's not that simple because you have you find a lot of let's say musicians who they have no problem like you know performing their music <laughs> sure. but then you know you ask them to speak and then they can never do that or vice versa let's say someone who plays music on the side they really enjoy it but they're really good at public speaking but then someone asks them to perform their music live and that's really really sudden so yeah. they would never be able to make that transition so it's not it's not so simple as just saying stage fright. Right, you know, it always varies by discipline. Well, also, and I've hosted music-related things and been fine, but
0: because I'm confident about my knowledge in music, and I think hosting that burlesque show was fine because it was with performers and people that I knew in a room that I knew. Right. So it was less pressure than being in front of a bunch of strangers per se.
3: I guess that uh, that that follows up with my question: Like, do you think you're ever going to be at that part where it's like, okay, you you got your hosting, you got your burlesque, are you going to need to do something else? Because once you, you're already saying you're, you're starting to master and you're starting to get the hosting down, like you're, you're just enjoying it. And I'm going to assume burlesque is not going to be far behind because once you really get into it, I mean, you're doing, you, you said with hosting, you're playing pretend, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's still the same sort of performance art that you're doing with burlesque. It's just, I guess, less talky, more the, the physicality of it. But do you ever see yourself going into some other forms of stage entertainment?
1: I've thought about doing uh, more storytelling lately. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that yeah, as well. Yeah, um, especially because um, uh, I actually went to uh, was a Jefferson Bites storytelling show with Mary because she was in it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Bear. <laughs> and I won the raffle to go tell a story as well.
3: You're good with raffles. <laughs>
1: Apparently. You're yeah, really the good. Uh, yeah, I'm like two for two, I think, in the last couple months. And uh, I... And I, I had a really great time. It went over really well. And it's just one of those things where like I want to do that more, especially because uh, the thing about stand-up that kind of scares me is just my brother tried in L.A. for a while, and he's like, Johnny, I don't know about New York, but in L.A. it's like a pyramid scheme. Like, no. like he's like, he like, it's all bringer shows where you, yeah. you get to go on stage. You bring, like, ten paying customers. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's one of those things where, and also, like, Uh, burlesque that's that's going to take me forever to actually get that down like i'm still i definitely i need to take uh, as a performer i know i need to work improve i know i need to work on my costumes i need to figure out like better rehearsal schedules i know what my weaknesses are i know what my strengths are i just know i have more strengths as a host so that's Mm -hmm. the thing where i'm like oh how can i take my hosting to the next level whereas my burlesque acts those are like all right I need to put my nose to the grindstone to get that up to snuff because uh, as I always tell Mary, well, you're twice as good as I am as a performer and you have to try half as hard.
2: Yeah, I imagine it's actually also a similar in, in terms of the effort you have to put in uh, since you just brought up stand-up. I mean, it, yeah, it is probably a lot similar here in New York, except for one thing. Most stand-ups, most stand-up comedians, they have to know their venues. If you find a venue that is at least fair to you, then you can kind of work your way up that way. In which case, I would suggest maybe that burlesque is similar in terms of just working with your local establishments. If you create, you know... Uh, a trust bond there, then, yeah, you can. I think make it. I don't think it has to be uh, the scary pyramid scheme necessarily. But that's that's at least true from a couple of standup comedians that I know. <laughs> yeah. So you it, know, as local upstarts.
1: And again, also like uh, we were, when I was talking about the bringer, shows, I was talking about LA, and that turned into a little bit of New Yorkers talking about it of like, well, over there, yeah, it's <laughs> Mad Max. Yeah. But uh, speaking on venues, um, the other thing is the reason we've been doing these DC shows for so long. And doing like you know driving like nine hours in one weekend just to go do a show is because this venue, Beer Baron uh, and Dupont Circle, wonderful to work with. Mm. Like the nice, like the nicest crowds I've ever worked with. Super supportive. They Hold wouldn't... on to your venues. <laughs> yeah, that Keep was one of those things where it's like, if only this venue was like in the tri-state area. Right. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like, ah. Uh, but you know, so you find like a nice crowd, and you know, and I mean, you've been to a bunch of different shows at different venues. You yeah. know how. Like, a slipper room crowd is often very different than a parkside site lounge crowd.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, and I mean, also, there are plenty of shows in the city that happen every month. And then there are some shows that happen every couple of months. And so, it depends on, I mean... Like Francine the Lucid Dream, who I have mentioned on the show a bunch and who I want to have as a guest sometimes, her shows are not every month. Sometimes she'll go three or four months without a show and then come back and do another show at the Parkside Lounge. And it's, I think it's knowing your venue that allows you to have the schedule you want and allows you to prepare for those shows in a certain way. And I think that Um, you know, not every venue is also right for every show.
2: Yeah, well, it's also, and even to tack on another one to that list, it's a Venn diagram of, like, venues that are popular enough and make enough money that they can give you a fair deal and also are not so popular and make so much money that they're skeptical of you so as to not give you a fair deal. You need to find somewhere in that middle or someone that at least you followed all the way to the top, in which case it'll just keep getting better and better ideally
0: <laughs> ideally yes in theory um, so besides doing burlesque and you know obviously you have a presence on stage which we discussed quite a bit um, are there anything is there anything else in the art even outside of burlesque that you're interested in you know you said storytelling with John had you know brought up this question like within kind of the performance art but like so let's talk a little bit about your music background as far as what you like because I don't know I know you sing I know that I, I don't know if you perform really we know you like David Bowie we know you like David Bowie but do, <laughs> what was like music for you growing up what did you listen to a lot of did that shape kind of how you became became as an artist
1: i grew up pretty sheltered uh it was definitely i was in catholic school for 13 years from kindergarten to the end of high school it would have been from pk till the end of high school if my parents had realized that the local catholic school also had a (laughs) pre-k so there was so there were a lot of things that weren't appropriate Uh uh-huh until I could get my hands on them myself. So, like, I didn't get into 90s gangster rap until college. Right. Uh, So, and, like, my parents... It was one of those things where I didn't realize until I was older. I was like, oh, yeah, if I don't go get my own music, I'm only going to be listening to Disney music. (laughs) Which is a reason why I'm not into Disney stuff.
0: Fair enough. Uh,
1: But, yeah, and then... uh, (laughs) Looking back at what I got into when I first started listening to music, which is super embarrassing, because then you go back to high school and you're like, yeah, I was, I was a really big Weezer fan, like really big. I feel like there's nothing that, embarrassing that, about that. Hurts, that. that yeah, that you're, you're sitting at a table does. full of Weezer oh, fans. I know. So. Well, it's one of those things, I right? I'm
2: leading. <laughs> well,
1: what do you think about the last couple albums? Are you like, they've
2: been. I think they've been better than what, anything that came. What, the, what are you talking about? Couple. But. I mean, the last white re- album. and... The re- no, I mean the resurgence. Weezer album, the one we reviewed, right? For instance, um, everything, everything will be, be all right, right in the end. end. Oh, Is that okay. what you're referring
1: to? Yeah, that's what I'm, I. We, I, I, we, haven't, we, we I haven't thought listened, very haven't I haven't like listened to like the, this one in, like the last like the last yeah. two or three. So yeah. I was, well, then
3: you're actually missing out on them doing good things again. Well, oh, I, okay. I, that's why you implied the word <laughs> yeah. Yeah. resurgence. Yeah, you know, are coming back.
0: back so to I heard the resurgence.
1: And I was like, oh, okay. No, do I have to pick one up? I'll get on that train. I'll go. White album's pretty yeah.
0: good. White Album's pretty good, and so is the one we reviewed, all, Everything Will Be Alright in the End. Which that is one's what better. Episode? That one's still bad. What episode was that, Steve? Episode 116. So, if you want to check out our review of it, you can, too. You're talking um, to a huge Weezer fan right here. Yeah. John's a little obsessed. I mean, also, we, you don't have to ever be embarrassed about what you listen to, because John is an admitted Green Day fan. I am a recovering Green Day fan. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not
3: embarrassed by that. I am embarrassed
0: like by Dashboard. Best, like the best
1: live show I've ever seen is Green Day. I don't. Be we don't talk
3: about live shows with Green Aww. Day because I missed out on a Weezer, Green Day, Blink One Eighty Two. Oh God, concert. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It still stings. It's over twenty. It's over ten years now. Uh-huh. It still stings.
1: I got to go to uh, to a Green Day, Blink One Eighty Two show because my friend's then girlfriend I think dumped him like a day before. Oh, ouch. So it was a guy who was I was friends with in like eighth grade and like junior year of high school. Like we hadn't been talking in months, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Johnny, you free Friday?" Yeah, it was that <laughs>
3: concert I missed out on. Fuck, yeah, it was one of those. Um, that actually
0: brings up a good question, though. You said you like being on stage and reading a room and being the performer. Do you enjoy being an audience member too? Do you like engaging in art that way as well? I mean, imagine you started with burlesque as a fan before you started doing it. But do you like being on that side of it too? Do you learn anything from that as well?
1: I do watch performances differently now mm-hmm. because now sometimes I am definitely watching to see like, oh, did that was that was that supposed to happen, or did they yeah. not know how to use that prop? Right. Mm-hmm. And, th- like, weird little things like that. But, yeah, at the f- and sometimes you can just sit – I can sit and turn my brain off and just enjoy.
3: Okay. You still got that going Some
1: for you. Sometimes. I mean, like – or, like, in the moment and then after – especially, like, now when it's a burlesque show, like like, I try to be in the moment. But then afterwards I'm like, well – Act number one wasn't that good, but I can see why the second half of and I like that the script, and the host, and the da-da-da. Yeah, well, I'll be is... the first
2: to admit that this podcast is, has ruined that a little bit. Yeah, like... <laughs> in terms of just freely
3: enjoying, you know, everything that comes out That's at one here. of the things, uh, exactly, with the podcast, with all the music we review week after week after week, not that I'm complaining, because while, yes, I'm definitely more critical of the music I listen to, but I find it actually helps me enjoy it a little bit better, because I can see the tips and the tricks and the things like that. You that appreciation. Do you feel like you're actually enjoying burlesque better at this point cuz you kind of understand it more of an insider yeah.
1: or is it Yeah, I think it's also I know. Yeah, it's once you like you have you have an awareness of what's going on and a genuine understanding of like the mechanics of it, then there it's that point where you realize you're really enjoying little things that like a bunch of the crowd is missing. Sure. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, that's you never do a glove peel like that. And the uh, the rest of the crowd's like, glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, not to not to be like those rubes, but just to, you know <laughs> that, that thing where you're like some like uh, when comedians tell jokes and they're for other comedians. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, like this, like this... how Gilbert Gottfried used started doing his Jerry Seinfeld impression before Jerry Seinfeld was famous because it made other comedians laugh. And <laughs> I mean, like on stage in clubs in like 1987, he would do it.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, because
2: now everybody has a jury signed but yeah. depression. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, he's been doing impression of some comic no one had heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's
2: why I like roundtable discussions between comedians, because it, the insights that you get are things that you would never understand without, well, said insight. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. The, the, the things that they have to work at behind the scenes, you wouldn't expect. Um, I know that we
0: talk uh, offline quite a bit about you know, other art forms as far as movies and TV and, and comic books. So I, I think I can go out on a limb and say you're a bit of a nerd. Um, is there anything you're super into that's outside of burlesque that's informed burlesque? Besides the pop culture, like you like Punisher, so you made a Punisher act. But has any music, comic book, or TV informed just how you approach burlesque at all?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I realized Johnny Caligula as a burlesque persona it's definitely becoming more and more modeled, I think, on the way. Or not uh, copycatting, but I definitely realized, like, yeah, I'm kind of going for, like, that kind of Paul F. Tompkins aesthetic. I sure. like to always be dressed up for a show. Sure. And then, like, I have, like, a pre-, a pre- and post-show suit. <laughs> so this people know. And, and part of it I realize, I'm like, oh, because also that tells everyone in the venue you're on. Yeah. So as I'm dressed as I am now like shorts and a shirt and uh, you know a Cuban shirt I can just go to a show and people be like, "Oh, okay, Johnny's just hanging out." Yeah. Like if I'm I understand I, I think it's uh, I guess the it's armor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that it's and I guess it's the idea of developing a stage persona. Mhm. And understand and especially with uh, like comedians and podcasts now you realize so many comedians have you know you have your public persona, Yeah. you have your stage persona, and now so many comedians have, like have their podcast persona. Yeah. <laughs> Because part of me is like, I... You know, there are guys I'm huge fans of, like, uh, like Jason Manzoukas. I'm like, I have no idea what that guy's really like, because he can't really be that gross. Right, he, sure. He can't be, but... like, in a Starbucks making filthy, filthy jokes to the barista.
2: I mean, he could be, I guess. He could be, but... but
1: I would hope he's not an asshole. Right, sure. I hope he's not really an asshole. He just plays one on the internet. I can't
2: verify this, but in the same way that, like, they say Twitter was invented for comedians, were podcasts invented for comedians? I'm more, uh, more or less the earliest. And we are no comedians. We're just hitching on the, the end of this the, wagon. The, well, I can be funny. <laughs> <laughs> eh. You have your moments. The, the,
0: you can
1: talk jokes
0: the 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 <laughs> podcasting i think was popularized by comedians like for sure like mark maron and, and chris hardwick and you know, there're plenty of comedians who have utilized the medium to make it work for them mm. and i think also it's you can get more funny from people that you otherwise would only hear get an album, what, every three years or something? And so or, that yeah, kind of stuff. a live show, but, like
3: they work on an act for so long, so right. long, so long, yeah. But
0: now podcasting has branched out beyond that where they're not expected to be funny. There's plenty of informational podcasts, tons of shows that are just information and data or even just news. And so I think while they may have...
2: Uh, well, just in terms of the origin story. I like, think Obviously, so, yes. the idea, like, no one would... I I don't think that would sell, let's say, to, uh, you know, like, an NBC, you know, network executive. Like, you don't have to do that with podcast. But right. obviously, the idea of just, we're just going to sit around and talk. Yeah, It I sounds think, like the Seinfeld joke. But, but, but now, if there's comedy there then that seems to have been, you know, the thing that got the ball rolling. I, now, I w- you just I said so.
3: origin story. Marvel's going to pick it up, and we're going to have origins uh. of... The podcast, podcast, the origin story. Yeah, and it's going to be uh. overblown. And it's not
0: actually, there's actually a movie, there's um, a documentary called Earbuds that's being made by Graham Elwood and um, Chris Mancini of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast, and it's about podcasting and fam- and po- well-known podcasters and this kind of medium, that and how it started and all that. So that's actually a thing that we'll be able to watch. I think it's out already, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. You can correct me in a if you'd like, but yeah, I think that, you know, learn taking that kind of stuff from podcasting or from Paul F. Tompkins specifically, who's a comedian. I'm also a fan of, I feel like being able to pluck stuff from other mediums besides the one you work with and is really important. So the fact that you can do that, I think is really great. And telling to the skill that you have in your medium.
1: Yeah. And it's also, I think, um, what, it's about, it's also about being, uh, appropriate to the venue appropriate to the audience knowing when you can get away with something when you can't especially because like burlesque can be like uh can be very it can be saucy it can be sexy it can be transgressive it can be intense yeah Uh, especially in neo burlesque you get so many acts that are people get surprised like oh shit i'm crying because that this is sad stripping what what yeah which is uh the first time i saw nasty canasta's uh space odyssey 2001 act Mm mm-hmm and I've started and i just got tears coming up my face, and it was the first time I was at a burlesque show where I was like, Wait, what? What's happening? I'm feeling All this things. is an art
2: form, oh god. Can you define neo burlesque for our listeners?
1: <laughs> Classic burlesque, you would be in a like a man would be in a suit, a lady would be like in a gown with opera gloves, and they would strip cheese out of it. Uh, neo burlesque, someone would be dressed like a sandwich. Okay. I so was,
0: it's the more it's the more modern acts, the more kind of, you know, either the pop culture influenced or the, the, the strange influenced I'm surprised surrealist that's not, element.
1: Yes, they should. And like Neo, or is it that simple? <laughs> well, I, w- I would feel like Neil is more. I can't even say like it's more postmodern. It's more interested in deconstructing the art form, playing with the art form, like what? Oh, okay. It's so the, what is the like, parallel
2: to what postmodern literature yeah, did for literature?
1: Exactly. Instead of just doing it straight up. I follow. Like what if what if a sandwich did a strip? That's a and also cause, again, Esquivel has a great act as a sandwich.
3: Yeah, she <laughs> does do a great act as and a sandwich. But it's it, but it's not just doing well. You're dressing up like a sandwich, but you're still just you know stripping. It's approaching it from a different angle. So sure. you can still technically do it with a gown or something like that, or a suit or something like that.
1: But even, I mean, even that, and also a lot of it is, uh, and you know, I think often falls into costuming porn, because it's definitely like, well, look at this sexy Hellman's jar of mayonnaise costume I made. And you're like, what? And it opens up, where? And so some of it is, the, is just the, and the DIY aspect that happens with a lot of the costumes or, or some of the great people we have who make crazy costumes in the community. Somebody's like, what the, where did you, how... What? I didn't think you could be a sexy car from Cars. How did that costume happen?
2: We're just going to keep deconstructing Wait. things until there's nothing left. I, have I guess you have to have post-neo burlesque now, and I... then you don't have the sandwich, you have the cold cuts. <laughs> the deep <laughs> burlesque okay. of no, the that de- was deconstructed
1: good. Williamsburg sandwich. That was, that, exactly. was actually, that
3: was good, Steve. I'll give you that one. But I, I say have to We go. have jokes. Okay. Costuming <laughs> porn? I, I, I'm using that term. I like that term a lot.
0: No, um, for pa,
1: for pa. <laughs> In terms of, uh, that's, and that's the thing. I think that's the burlesque for the burlesque people is the costuming porn when it's just like, what? Yeah. Look at that outfit. My God, I hate you.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like food porn or anything else. It's this idea that something's so awesome or beautiful, it's practically pornographic, you know? And, and I've definitely seen costumes
2: like, um. Trains are my porn. Yeah,
1: that's. That's true. Trains <laughs> are Steve's, Which is really weird. You and my baby brother.
2: <laughs> <laughs> New York City Subway specifically, but you know. Oh. Like I, I don't think he's dude. into
1: subways and I think he's still Thomas the Tank. It's over. a fetish. It's a fetish. It's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's just it's, telling. It, it. There's a reason why that's the, the sex footage. It's funny. a mature it's thing when movies. he gets yeah, there. train yeah, like, going, going, going into a tunnel. tunnel.
2: There you go. Um, so let's shift gears and <laughs> talk a little bit about. I'll send be the seedy uncle. You want to learn about subways.
1: Sorry, you invited Colligley on your show. It's going to get very seedy. There's going to be a lot of trains moving towards tunnels. A lot of shots of fireworks exploding.
0: You go. Um, let's uh, move on to what you brought us this week. So, uh, tell us a little bit. Well, first, tell us exactly what we're reviewing this week. Tell the audience, and then tell us why you picked it.
1: Uh, we are reviewing Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper. His uh, mixtape, which yes. is although it's more of a full album. Yeah, I mean, I
0: don't, I don't, I feel like mixtape is just to kind of talk about how it was had multiple producers on. Yeah,
1: it. but uh, and then the main reason I picked this one is because uh, it's all Stephen Colbert's fault. Okay. Chance the I, Rapper. Was, I'll follow. He was one of his first musical guests when he started his show on CBS at the beginning okay. of the year. Hmm. And he debuted the single from this album, Angels, with a live performance on the show that was really beautiful, and I believe he himself did some backflips, I think? Where he had backfli- Chance the Rapper did backflips? He definitely had backflips. It was months ago. I should have rewatched it before the, we did this recording. But yeah uh, yeah there were it was like a full crazy it was a spectacle it was, it was a spectacle he gave away the song for free on iTunes I think it is still free listeners go check you can get the single and uh, yeah and I had gotten the single so much that I realized I needed an excuse to listen to the full album so I figured yeah why not let's try that as an experiment and then that's how I found out that it's Heavily gospel influence was after we confirmed it. it. was the
2: album? Okay, so for once it wasn't Kanye who launched the career. of Oh right, rapper. sure. It was Stephen Colbert who Stephen I like. Stephen Colbert, a lot
1: more. yeah, and I think they were collaborating on something. Oh cool. maybe coming out later. I forget. That
0: that would be really cool. But yeah, and like Colbert's I, gonna
3: rap. I mean, that
0: I, would be I could, well. Technically, he's he already wrapped,
1: wrapped around. Yeah. Wow,
3: well, he's he's approached it, but this is something different. Well, I mean, this this, this is a potential to be huge. He's got words. <laughs>
1: He's, He's got good. words. He's, He's got a lot of words. He's got the best words. The most beautiful words. <laughs> best words. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. not believe fun. the words he said.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that's as good a reason as any to bring an album. Like, we, we always laud that, you know, if you're going to bring an album on the podcast, it should be for a reason that's... Important to you whether it even if it is fleeting as I just picked a thing, like that still you gave it the forethought to pick a thing. Ooh. And in this case, there's more forethought than that because you know you really enjoyed something and you wanted to explore it more. But you are are you, are it in are you
2: impugning Matt Holtzclaw's impromptu
1: pick of no, the no, Mandarin, not at all. It?
0: I would never, I although he would it. probably <laughs> impugn it. <laughs>
2: hey,
1: they made a magnificent James Bond theme,
0: they did, that's true, surprisingly enough. The
1: best part of that movie, yeah, <laughs> which, one? which one, which way, the one for live and uh, let die. No, no, live in the die with kill. Paul Vue McCartney and Vue Wings. View to a kill. Okay, okay, View to a Kill. Okay. Is this is the James Bond theme so good they just started using it throughout the film? Wow. I learned something today. Alright. Learned something today about music. Awesome. Well that's uh... That's what the podcast is all about. Yes. The other reason I uh, picked this album was because I realized uh, it chance was a rapper I think that my family could listen to. Sure. I uh, can see that. I saw so I saw Notorious the B.I.G. Biopic with my mom and dad. Okay. Which was super awkward during all these <laughs> sex scenes. If uh, you guys have not seen it,
0: I have not yet. I I've wanted there to. There are but I'm multiple
1: not. biggie small sex scenes in that movie. You watch him make his babies. Mm. And and my parents are pretty cool people, but they don't want to watch sex scenes with me. My dad. Never I don't co- blame them. My dad and I watched a pilot of California Cation together with David Duchovny. And he never recovered from that.
3: <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't... Like, it's... That, the, yes, I've seen... Yes. I could see odd. that. That's Even a, The
1: Company's softcore porno show? Yeah. yeah. Watching <laughs> that with your dad. It was, like, the most awkward 30 minutes of my life. And then, so, Notorious had, like, little slivers of that awkwardness in it. Which was, a uh, fun. And then I realized... And then, so, coming back to this album, this was an album that I... Like, the single I loved and it was fun it was upbeat and going through and ch- as i was going through album, i was like oh yeah this is something i would like to introduce to even my little brother and sister to try and get them into hip hop hmm. Because my my uncle Rudy has already gotten them interested in Wu Tang, which is not appropriate for seven year olds. <laughs> no, True. for sure not. To the point yeah, where but they it's call a him classic. Uncle. V- when... Maybe when... Staten Island seven year olds. <laughs> Maybe. Cause Wu-Tang. I mean, well, it's, it's my my parents are trying to have a non swearing household. So by <laughs> mm. their rules, it's not appropriate. Other parents, you know.
2: The Caligula household, not swearing. Yeah. Wouldn't have thunk it.
1: <laughs> Papa Caligula is a bit more conservative than his kids, but uh, but yeah, and I wanted. Yeah, they call my uncle Rudy Uncle Rudy Wu Tang at this point.
0: Uncle Rudy like, Wu Tang. Yeah,
1: they've all these family Rudy photos Wu. with my R- Uncle Rudy doing the W with my little brother and sister <laughs> every time. And at this point, so I and I was and I realized like, oh, but Uncle Rudy can't actually give them any Wu Tang music because we can't even we can't even tell them the names of all the members because they've got swear names. <laughs> ah. Yeah, like well, I mean, I used to refer to him as Old Dirty Baby in front of them. But also sometimes when I would change their diapers, I would rap at them, but I would replace all the swears with the word baby. So it would be like, shame on a baby who cried to run game on a baby. Who fucked with the baby? Hot one, hot two, hot three, hot old dirty baby, love and uncut. Anyway. Well, he's got this down. <laughs> Changed a lot of diapers, have you? When your dad's getting his master's degree right when mm-hmm. he and your stepmom adopt two twins, you have to... you. They, you, they just, you pick up the slack yeah. you, it was good though it was the middle of a recession so that kind of like paid for my room and board there you oh, go. All right, oh, Johnny thank right. god you you're a, here yeah you and... got a little
2: pyramid scheme going didn't you? <laughs> but yeah
1: wraps for the family that's what I was thinking
0: yeah right got it totally I'm on board um all right. Well, let's dive in then. Uh, I mean, we are experienced with Chance the Rappers. We heard him rap on a few songs for the Donnie Trumpet album, which I love and is still free on iTunes. So you can oh. still pick that up. And uh,
2: I thought he was a really great rapper. So I was very excited when I heard this you this. is kind of a this. rap for the family. There's a lot of yeah. personal stuff in this album. Uh, coloring book by Chance the Rapper. First of all, it should be said, this is a mixtape. Um, yes. We've never pro- had a proper mixtape on this podcast before. I don't had think so. We've had rap albums. Maybe the closest would, that we would have gotten was Surf by Donnie Trump of The Social Experiment, but at the same time, that was really the band. Yeah. And they just featured artists. I don't think... How many producers were there?
0: And, well, there were a bunch, but I feel like also they produced... I think they produced on every track with other producers, where in this case, right. Chance didn't produce any of it.
1: Right.
2: It was produced by either The Social Experiment or a bunch of other people. This Uh, has got, uh, yeah, several producers and several featured artists. So it's a smorgasbord of artists. Track one, all we got. We ready to go? Sure. So this is featuring
0: Kanye West and the Chicago Children's Choir, and the Chicago's Chicago Children's Choir actually
2: repeat frequently on the record. They're featured in a bunch of different songs that have choir work. Alright, I'd just like to say a few few things here because this is kind of a jam-packed track, and he lays a lot on us. So before we start tackling (laughs) opinions, uh, because actually my opinions on this track are actually rather all over the place, let me do my thing where I describe the cascade of sound that we're actually confronted with. First things first, I like a busy intro, and this intro's pretty busy. We've got a wild but delicate array of brass just swirling around the first 13 seconds, a very freeform yet tight revelry, and it feels kind of like an impromptu late night encore at Smalls Jazz Club, let's say. Still very hip hop, but also very genre flexible. In fact, I will get this much out in the way of opinions. I got very wrapped up in those 13 seconds. Each replay just improved it tenfold. And then, in steps Chance the Rapper with a little intro, and we back, and we back, and we back, just that steady synth clap thing in the background, and at some point it actually sounded like he was laughing his way through this. It was, after all, a little ridiculous just as a start. But pushing through this even further, he begins his verse. To start off, he barely changed up the prior instrumentation. The verse just flows freely from the intro. Still with the brass, still with the clap, but we do add some female R&B backing vocalists, just to bring out a little luster, and here begin the opinions. Personally, first listen, wasn't thrilled with the first four lines of this verse, because his vocals as the centerpiece I thought didn't really reflect the luster of the aforementioned horn backdrop. His vocals were a little bit laid back, a little slurred, and with a story that's kind of all over the place. This ain't no intro, this the entree, hit that intro with Kanye and sound like Andre, trying to turn my baby mama into my fiancé, she like music she from Houston like Auntie Where's Where's this going? And then... Life was breathed into him. He reaches into his passion zone, or whatever it is, and he belts out, Man, my daughter couldn't have a better mother. If she ever find another, he better love her. Man, I swear my life is perfect. I could merch it. If I die, I'll probably cry at my own service. (laughs) I. <laughs> which is also which is a recurring thing, by the way. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think first of all, you saying that
0: you don't like the first four first four lines, I, I get that. But, but it's a I, first
2: impression of an well, artist's flow, and it didn't do anything for me. But it did, in retrospect, kind of set you up for his building out the later That's verses. how I
0: feel about it. Yeah. I think that also it's kind of la- uh, relaxed like he is. And so, you know, he's kind of easing into it. I thought the wordplay was clever. And then once it kicks up, it really cements the four lines for me. That's where I'm coming from, with it, especially on multiple listens. And I love his flow here. I think that, you know, like he had done on Donnie Trumpet record, he just kind of has this kind of passion for the way he, he raps that you know, starts very laid back and can go there, but can also take, pick up speed and get more aggressive and get more in your face. And he kind of eases in between those very, you know, without any issue. He just kind of moves from one to the other. Yeah, it's expressive. Yes.
1: And I feel like it's not jarring that the, these changes. Or for, no, not at all. And I think, and for all of the different kind of moods and uh, musical genres we're seeing in this album, it doesn't, at no point did I really feel like jump cut to a completely different place with no...
2: No, not at all. I mean, it was just it felt like he reached some internal passion. I mean, look at the words. Man, my daughter couldn't have a better mother. This is with the personal stuff I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he puts this in various lines throughout the record. It, it goes back to his family, his beginning of family for the first time. His daughter is very young, I think only like a year or two years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, born in 2015. And he says, I'll probably die. If I die, I'll probably cry at my own service. I mean, how good could life get? Yeah. And he feels like he's actually kind of tearing through the words. But, but the hook shows up. And I have a bunch of issues with the hook. Oh.
3: First is uh, auto-tune, which is going yeah. to be a running thing as both positives and negatives throughout this album. But the autotune shows up. And it's not Chance. It's Kanye. I was a bit jarred when the vocal stepped in. Okay, so that was be, the jarring moment for me. Yeah. When, when it was less the natural and... Kind of lazy but enjoyable flow of Chance. When it goes into Kanye and it's a m- lot more mechanical and it's supposed to be grabby, like, the verse wasn't supposed to be anything. It was just supposed to be heartfelt. It wasn't trying to achieve anything outside of just really explaining himself. But the hook the hook felt a little bit on the manufacturer side. I guess because of the context of the autotune, but also because it didn't really feel like he was speaking from the heart. It didn't really feel like he was going and talking about, you know, his family or anything like that. It was more just rote
2: actually to that effect. I did get that feeling from uh, the, the hook. I think that it lacked... It it didn't recapture, like, the personal element of those earlier vocals, and I think maybe that was my problem, so I guess I'm kind of with you. I mean, there was just something very unpersonal about it. Maybe it goes back to the whole thing where, like, your life's perfect, and when your life's perfect, or perfect in quotes, you end up sounding a little bit more consonant, more united, thus more samey, and that's why I wasn't as invested in, I guess, the the, uh, <laughs> the core chorus here, which is, this is the bomb, 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 music is all we got, so we might as well give it all we got. That's a great message alone, but it does kind of feel a little bit, like, separate, I guess, if, when yeah. your life when your life is personal, in the personal way that he just described, then, well, let's just go back to the music and jam out, enjoy life but, at face but, value. But here's the thing, he's already obviously in a great spot.
3: Like, he's talking about how great his life is. Yeah. So you not need Kanye. Uh, like, like, but... <laughs> If all he has is music, which is what the hook is saying, is directly at odds with the verses. Even when verse 2 shows up, which I think is actually even better. I really enjoy where it goes and how he, how he portrays it in, in the next one. He, the, he starts even getting more personal and more like explanatory about why his life really is good. Not great, not magnificent, but just good. I get my word from the sermon. I do not talk to the serpent. That's a holistic discernment. Daddy said I'm so determined. Told me these goofies can't hurt me. I just might make me some earl tea. I was baptized, like, really early. I might give Satan a swirly. Like, he's really being almost, like, proclaiming, like, how, like, great his upbringing seemed to have been. Like, he really felt like... That's true. The first verse was was more in the present. Now he's reaching back This is some, like, really, like, solid values that have seemed to, like, really, like... Solidify his life to really make himself who he is. Yet he falls back to uh, the music's all I got. The music's all I got. No, like his upbringing just seems to be. But he's so
1: not great. saying I.
3: There's no I here. So it. Uh, I disagree with
0: what you're saying on the hook. Like, uh, look, I'm not a huge Kanye West fan, but the cacophony of instrumentation mixed with kind of passionately singing music, all we got. I don't mind that. And also, it's. I think he's trying to say these are things that are great about my life but when it comes down to it, if you don't have all these great things, still, we got music. Music's what we got. And he's trying to sell the importance of his music because he's passionate about it. He wants to share the messaging with other people. And I think that's what it comes down to.
2: And yet, what they give, the, the all they got is an auto-tuned Kanye. Yeah, I guess. I don't They're know. My I, I, in, the,
0: in the hook, I'm listening to the instrumentation more. I don't feel like Kanye is hurting it any. I don't think it's Incredible. No, I'm
3: not saying Kanye specifically is doing it.
0: See, then we disagree because, again, I like the instrumentation in the chorus. I don't mind it. I think that, you know, the way it kind of explodes that way is also a precursor to stuff that comes
3: later in the album. I'm not against the instrumentation in the chorus either. It's the presentation
2: of the vocals. That's what's bothersome. Okay, I like that too. Okay, so you like the auto-tuned Kanye. I want this on the record. Uh, uh, In this case, I enjoyed it. In this case, I didn't mind it. I think uh,
1: I thought that the track built up to it properly. Like, that's the thing. It's it's a shift that I didn't find jarring. Okay. And I think once he drops the words, uh, all we got, as I wrote my notes, auto-tune explosion. <laughs> is, it
2: did bring... I mean, there was a lot. This even things... Explosions came even earlier. I mean, there was actually this, like, weird synth string bellow thingy that came as early as uh, those lines that I read where he got a lot more passionate, where Chance got more passionate. Um, this, like this strange bellow that actually uses an accent mark, a percussive accent mark throughout the song, and then it's reused again in the hook along with Kanye, I believe. And that remains an interesting feature. The one thing I did not like about the latter half of this track was, I suppose, the the sporadic nature of that (laughs) clapping sound starts to get kind of wonky for me. I thought that it was... I thought that it lacked a little bit of finesse, but I give it credit for at least trying to, you know, uh, make it a more interesting song rhythmically. I I, I see what it was trying to do. I just felt that it was, maybe that was the only thing in this track that was truly jarring. I didn't find that jarring. I was, I was, I was flown along with it because really it was just,
3: even the parts of the voices I don't like, I'm not really on board with, it was still something... Um, that was mere texture on top of all the vocal work that was going on. And the vocals are the obvious forefront piece of this
2: track. All right, well... There's a bridge. <laughs> I, didn't like, I didn't like the bridge either, where the children just coming together to say, hey, we know, we know, we know we got it, we know we got There's a lot of little cheap shots here, and that's the only thing I'm trying to be aware of. Yeah, I don't know, but it felt... It, it, if you're just looking at Chance through, like, a, a, a blinders, then the song is wonderful.
0: Yeah, but I feel like even that bridge... <laughs> Fit the aesthetic of the song, so yeah. I didn't really have issue with it. I think that oh, and for, the brass,
2: brass, brass too through <laughs> 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 I,
0: I think that the the built the way this song was built, I think that everything worked for the way it was built. I don't think anything felt out of place or jarring. I hear your complaint about how kind of cliche the chorus is, but or the choir rather, but that was kind of the point. I think it was supposed to be a little schmaltzy, a little cheesy. I think that's the point, and I was okay with it.
1: I think, I think there's a lot on the album that is, I think, could it's like Frank Capra. I think it's supposed to be like genuinely yeah. spiritual mm-hmm. and like genuinely emotional, which might seem to some of us maybe a little cheesy because it's not it's not a faith we're in or it's not a. That's a, a perfect, perfect analogy. In yeah. fact,
2: it's perfect analogy. Um, it's it's the by, the natural byproduct of I think being genuine, which is just it's unfortunate to me. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. There's, there's no way to no way to work around it, we're and just... a lot of people will just take it at face value, and that's fine.
1: Some of us. Some of us in this room might be a touch cynical. Some of us may some of us may have been in Catholic school for a little too long. Again, I was not. I did not realize I recommended a very religious album. (laughs) Hey,
2: it's all right. I mean, it's not. I liked it. I was I was super surprised. Hey, I had a religious upbringing. I'm in kind of a middle ground now, but you know I know where it comes from. So yeah, that's not that's not the problem. That's not the problem. I'm I'm kind of through. I'm looking through the musical lens. That's that's where I'm like picking apart and what I like, what I don't like, and so forth. And this uh this caliber of discussion I think is going to foreshadow a. lot of caliber discussions we're going to have later on on many of these tracks, in fact. But I like a controversial album, a controversial episode, in fact. Track two, No Problems, featuring Lil Wayne and 2 Chains. Yeah. So, <laughs> from the moment
0: the song starts, pretty much, there's a hit, uh, an uncredited intro by Haha ha Davis that's very brief. And then, um, you know, we, we get to the hook pretty quick in this track, and it gets... It, it's one of those hooks that I like to poison Steve with, because Steve... Actually, often I bring up "Centuries" by Fall Out Boy, and Steve will sing it because he knows the hook. He can't forget it.
2: Remember me for centuries. Before like that, that we did have, I can uh, do it.
0: They're coming to take me away. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. Yeah, Ha-ha. that's true. But so this, the the hook, you know, you don't want no problems, want no problems with me. It's just the way he says it, and over and over again, it just
2: gets stuck it's, in my it's, head. See, it's infectious. <laughs> you got to slur it together. You don't want no problems. It problem. me. It's, it's just a slurred yeah. mishmash. Which the first time I heard was like, really? Really, Chance? Come on, Just, just work a little harder at this, right? And then you listen to the song again, and again, and rather the second and third chorus. And after a while, it becomes like, it becomes the centerpiece. It becomes the chandelier, ironically enough, of this track. It's just... It's It has this sway to it. You feel like you're actually swaying to his slur, if yeah, that makes any sense. It does make sense. You don't problem, problems with yeah, me. It have has to a rhythm.
1: It, I think of it as like a headbanger. It's definitely just bobbing my head. There you go. down the street or on the subway.
2: And, and frankly, this is what you need because the rest of the song is even more slurred. And frankly, if you don't have the lyrics in front of you, good luck. I mean, I can pick out sentences here, but for sure like entire
3: verses. More like syllables.
1: That's no. about as good well, as look, I got. Nah,
3: okay. You can hear Little Wayne. You can hear Two Chains. You can understand them. I'm. I was in the exact same boat where I really did not enjoy cha- uh, Chance's vocals at first, especially in the verse because I like content. But upon the second, third listen, I got a lot more accepting. What I do like that's going on right here, which I think was a little bit of a stickler when we were first listening to it together. I love the beat. I really enjoy the rhythm of this track, even though it is like, by definition, uh, it, it's homogenous
2: through and through. Mm, yeah, it has kind of a I don't I don't know what real like branch of hip hop to place this in uh, because. Really, it, it just feels like you're enjoying yourself with the duration of that hook, but then while you're in the verse, clearly it's coming at this from almost a little more of a gangster rap perspective, especially considering the content. I mean, he's talking about going after his labels if they give him trouble. Well, and that's not his labels, it's just labels in labels general. Labels in general, and he's got his issues with labels, and that's fair, because he, 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 labels well, he's can be su- jerks. He's, well, and he's also
0: a successful indie rapper, and, you know, a lot of independent rappers don't hit the heights that he's hit because it's just harder, you're, you're literally supporting everything and doing everything and he's taking a stance as saying that you don't need the record companies i'm independent i did this and if they try to mess with me bring it because i will throw something back in your face
2: you know yeah except that the message is it's gonna be some dreadhead niggas in the lobby yeah it's It's, (laughs) i think the implication there is just a little coarse you know i mean
0: but he's trying i think uh, the the song is overly aggressive in in an album that's not that aggressive and so i think he's trying to play it up a bit just to kind of
2: make a point. Well, all right, to play it up in lyrics, considering yeah. that the, the... I guess there's a, some comedy there with the juxtaposition of the song, considering the song is just so easygoing. Well, yeah. You know, but um, that said, I have other... Pr- it's not just that. It's not just the content, you know, disparity. It, it's also... Musically, I didn't really like the way the rapping style flowed with everything else. And we're just talking verses here. We've already lauded the hook, but just... Talking about the verses themselves, all of them, uh, Chance the Rapper, Lil Wayne, and 2 Chainz, they, they, in this case, all three of them, I really didn't think were integrating very well with the music. They're just kind of marching along with their own cadence. There are only a few moments, in fact, where it synced. For instance, as slurred as it is, uh, there was the verse... Not me, though, bitch, you can keep those boy-a-match-your-head like cred did Like, that's interesting. Just for some reason, I like the way he broke up the kind of generic rap flow of earlier with that you know, he got into it a little bit more. Little things like that kind of like poke out through the verse. But other than that, it's kind of a wall of, not sound of, but instead of slur. I'm uh, against
3: you when speaking of Chance, but I'm totally in agreement when we're talking about the two
2: others. Well, to be fair, it's not the rule for Chance on yeah. an album scale, but it does happen to be true in this song. But 2 Chainz, all all he does is speak, and
3: speak rap is... It's not singing. It's not really going along with the beat. He's just talking. At but it's us. not even
0: quite spoken word either, because there's a rhythm to spoken this,
3: word. Yeah, yeah, this is just—he's just—he's just saying words. It at feels us.
2: like a monologue. Well, now, that's why I said it felt disconnected from the music. Yeah. yeah but uh, uh, Little Wayne—that's
1: a different story entirely. I just, I just entirely. can't
3: stand Little Wayne's vocal work. And this is—it's not on this track. It's just in general. I've just never enjoyed his work.
2: It's it's the vo- sometimes I guess this is probably where uh, bias is at its most profound in music like throughout from genre to genre to artist to artist is whether you have something against yeah, a certain genre that's neither here nor there sometimes that stuff can be fixed very often in fact cuz each artist is a new artist but vocal t- timber itself that's a hard thing to really if you don't like it on one song, you may not like yeah. it on any song. And he yet. is a very kind of slurry one he's kind of vocalist i, I uh, am with you in that and uh, i don't know is that true around the table or, or i mean it i've some never really been into it. his stuff but i don't like he's been featured on songs where i don't necessarily
0: mind him because he's kind of just barely featured or like he's doing something a little
2: yeah. different but but most of the time like i would never buy his albums not a fan yeah. of his work and before, i'm okay right? to be clear with doses of that i yeah. mean that's one of the things like i may not be Head over heels over uh, Chance the Rapper's rap in this particular song, but I liked his expressiveness and the fact that he can do this but also do a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bored with his versatility, like. but uh, just as a rule, Lil Wayne has pretty much sounded like this in just about everything I've ever heard yeah. by him. So there's that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would also say, um, yeah, I'm not normally a fan of Two Chains, Lil Wayne, or like this much auto tune. Yeah. But this track definitely won me over into uh, liking a bunch of stuff that I normally do not like. So I think th- I think it's everything was deployed well.
2: That's true. I don't think we really mentioned that there was auto tune over the hook that yeah. we discussed earlier. You know want no problems. one no problems with me. I get to do that one more time. <laughs> but that right there, I believe that there's a little of autotune. Johnny, I think you put it best. You said it was like uh, a little bit of pepper as opposed to, let's say, the entree. And I thought that was a a great way to put it because that's really what any instrument, any tool in mixing or production, that is what you want. Um, And autotune has... Traditionally, not really being used for that, but used really to make artists sound better. That is clearly not the case here, especially since in this case, it's not a matter of good or bad. He's just kind of grooving with it, yeah. so that's kind of just aiding the groove. Yeah, I would agree completely on that point. All right. Oh, so. and
1: I love the dog bark on this track.
2: Oh, yes, that's All right. We it get never... more We get more ice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get the. It's either Chance has remixed his own "I" to the point where it sounds like a dog, or they got a dog in the studio. I don't know. I love
2: it. Maybe he was inspired by the dog. Insp- Maybe. <laughs> by Maybe the dog he's... that we don't know.
1: Chance is, I'm just going to say Chance the Rapper's Dog.
2: Chance there the Rapper's go. Dog. All right. Let's move on to track three. Name Chance. Our track three, <laughs> Summer, summer friends, friends, featuring Jeremiah and Francis and the Lights. This was quite different. Uh, again, more in a gospel R&B territory. We're actually starting out this track in acapella. And I'm a sucker for acapella. I like I, some good acapella. as well. In and, fact, it sounded like a full uh, four-part harmony. Yeah. And,
0: now, and it was beautifully done, too. Mm-hmm. It's just the kind of the, the balance of it. It didn't feel like
3: any voice was ahead of the other. It just blended really well, and I got sucked into it right away. And the big the big drop for me was when the O became incredible. That transition yeah. was a great little moment to to bring us that's in That's right, on. because
2: they indulge so much on those, like, first three O's. It's like, that's a long time in which they're just milking that uh, and they let you between the harmonies. Yeah. Basically waxing eloquence on it in terms of just the notes themselves, in terms of the melodic lines, and then you get incredible, right? And it's... I Like, when certain words, even just as broad of words as they are, they bring out the actual incredible musicality of what's going on at that moment. My lord, incredible, I believe. Right? So it's got the religious element here, and you do feel that, of course, this is gospel after all. And we also get
3: the autotune again, stepping in once again lightly, to just fool around and actually create more texture on top of this vocal work. That, that was another part where... It's working. It really is doing something a little bit different than uh, what the standard trope with an autotune is, as Steve just explained in the last track. This, I I wanted more. And that's the first time I really wanted more (laughs) autotuning. A landmark
2: event in the life of John.
3: They're actually using the voices as an instrument and then making that instrument more expansive than what it usually can do. Well, because it's not
0: correcting anything. It's adding this kind of synth quality to it. And it it was a good integration to when the beat finally comes in. And then we finally get the the rap. And then the rap. I think that it just integrates everything really well together. And this is where Chance comes in and he's going back to the rapping that I really like. I didn't mind the slurring as much as everyone else at the table I think did. But I will agree that when he's on point and has a, a specific kind of Uh, flow going where you can hear the words, you can kind of hear where it's coming from and he has certain inflections, I really get really sucked into
2: it. Well, I'm mixed. I agree. I, I do think it had more finesse um, yeah, that's and then the al- along with that we add a little bit of uh, a little bit of bass, a little delicate rat-a-tat in the rhythm section and also, just in general, his rap is much softer. This is a smoother track as a whole, which brings to mind some observations. One, the earlier thing, he has a lot of expressiveness, that's mm-hmm. already apparent um, but I, dil- I still kind of wish that there was a lot more enunciation here I'm not saying that his message is clouded but it, in some ways it still is a little bit as slurred as the last song, just like I said, with a bit more finesse
3: But with all the sizzle that's going on in that beat I'm perfectly okay with you know a little bit of a slur here and there a little bit of of just under-pronunciation going on because it just works so well to, to work on the smoothness of everything else that's going on musically. Well, it's it's fitting for what's going on. Um, and it really, they mesh together. You, you felt the disconnect in the previous track. Here, I, I would be on the opposite side. There really is a lot of connection between the vocals and the beat. Well, I uh, think also, oh, yes. for me, this song's a mood setter. Like, it's beautiful to me. Like,
0: in that kind of, wow, that's a really... Pretty painting kind of way, like it's just it's the tone the tone that it sets and it feels heartfelt, which I I think is kind of redundant at this point. But you know, because we talked a lot even in the first two tracks, how he's speaking from a personal place. Even though last track was a little slurred, he's still speaking about something he was passionate about when he when it was dealing with record labels. And so here, this is no different. And I'm liking that pattern is that every song seems to be coming from the heart and being very personal to him, even if the way it's presented, kind of, some of that gets lost a little.
1: I wasn't expecting to learn so much about Chance the Person by listening to this album by Chance the Rapper. That, yeah. That was something that re- especially when we were listening to it together, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I know about him and, and his cousin and yeah, yeah. his grandma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I agree. He, he bring, manages to bring that out in little ways here and there. I also don't want to imply, though, that, like, you know, that's not everything for me, though, because at the same time, like, many artists get personal, sure. get emotional. I kind of try to be aware of these like catch-all terms cuz usually they could, they sing about personal things that's just inevitable. It's going to be make its way kind of into any song. But uh, it, it does manage to seep its way a little bit more here in the hook for me than the verses themselves. Because the verses, the content again, is a little bit all over the place. You're kind of trying to piece together his life, and then he kind of summarizes in the hook, as most hooks do uh, You're my friend. Summer friends don't stay. Summer friends don't stay around. Summer friends, summer friends. They don't stay. They don't stay. They don't stay around here. This actually, I, I'm, by describing this, they may, I may be foreshadowing something that comes later on the album, but the idea that uh, there were people that he grew up with that he's kind of parted ways with over time, this is the specific thing that we're getting at here, and I do—I actually uh, think that this song portrays it better than other songs. I think many other songs are a little bit too generalized and a little bit more uniformed, like I described in track one, which is bringing everybody together, and you actually lack some of it in... in uh, in the music itself but here it's it does feel him and i think it's aided by just the more tasteful introduction the more tasteful exposition and it's also really
3: aided by the very texture oriented harmonies that are backing up that hook the female vocalists in the background that are really just playing around and just interjecting repetition lines here and there adds to that idea of kinship of connection between the musician his music and
2: the listener themselves. It adds to it the first time around but to be perfectly honest uh, and granted Johnny did say off air that this was a mood setter kind of a track. I yeah. think that's that's fair um at least in terms of just saying hey this is probably going to be a little bit a little bit samey. Like once I set you up for this, we're going to stay with that until the end of the track. But that that is kind of where I I took issue cuz honestly, I did think that beneath the the uh, free-flowing, easygoing, emotional air to this track, I thought it was a little bit sporadic. I didn't like all those background things, the consistent background gospel choir, little random sound bites. Even the string outro to me just felt a little bit tacky. I wish they were, the ideas were a little bit more integrated. I mean, individually, there is a lot of beauty on this song, but this is one of those rare cases where we're encountering all the right stuff, all the guilty pleasures, all the instinct for taste, but none of the cohesion. So here's an analogy. It's like creating a whirlpool in a pool when you're a kid, right? It's beautiful chaos. It's kind of nice to get caught up in the eddies and just drift around with everybody else and every little pool item, but there's very little organization to it. One kid is always going slower than the rest. One kid's kind of going a little bit faster. You're gonna find dead spots with this really not much of whirlpool at all but it's still a fun thing to do and if you try to take a picture of it with a camera you try to capture what's going on and you just get a blur that's kind of how I view this track I mean I can see
0: where you're coming from I guess it's a cynical approach I yeah say. I mean that's I think the difference is and there's nothing wrong with looking at a track that way I mean if you are you are I think for me I got wrapped up in that it was a mood setter and you so you know me I, I go yeah. back to composition and yeah, I didn't
2: yeah. think there, were, there was any composition here I just thought it was hmm, beautiful things you know peppered throughout.
0: I mean, and that's a, a fair way to look at it. I, I I can see where you're coming from, essentially. Let's move on to track four, D-R-A-M Sings Special, um, where this is, I guess, an interlude? It's interesting. So this this doesn't actually feature chants at all, as far as I can tell, unless he wrote it. It's just a synthy kind of dreamy instrumentation with, with D-R-A-M singing. And it's brief. It's only a minute and 42 seconds. And, you know, I mean, that's not something we come across a lot. Like, if a, an album does an interlude, usually the artist is involved in some way, shape, or form. And usually the interlude is deeper in the album. Yeah, it's not after the first three tracks. And so I think this, both because of placement
2: and seemingly creation, is kind of an interesting oddball. It's pretty wonky. you got this waney synthy thingy? <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Actually, it I it, I was most interested in that sound because it strikes me as something that really belongs in more of an alt-rock environment. I was surprised to find it here. It didn't feel like a hip-hop track, but at the same time, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that, I guess that is probably a, a genre preference game where, you know, I hear something and be like, well, it's not hip-hop. And I like it. That sounds like I don't like hip-hop, which is not true. It just means that this was something different for an album that is largely gospel. And I guess I was interested in that fact and that fact alone, and I tried to overlook the fact that it was only a minute and change. Sure, I feel like if it went on longer than that, it
0: wouldn't have made much sense. I think because of it being condensed, it was just this kind of thing you go, huh, and then you enjoy
2: it. Let's read it. You are very special, you're special, you're special too. Everyone is special, this I know is true. When I look at you, you are very special, you're special too. Everyone is special, this I know is true when I look at you. That's a really good sentiment. You wanna uh I want to get that cavity cr- out of your teeth? No, I'm kidding.
3: <laughs> I'm not that cynical. Well, I kinda
2: <laughs>
3: I like where it does go though. It's a carnival. Yeah. It's it's not as clear cut as your standard carnival meta go round or something like that. It's 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 a little bit different. A little bit I guess off key. In, in, in a little in, in, from just a standard idea,
2: but it's it, it does a lot to break it up and make me feel welcome to the album. I, I think guess. Th- the reason we're struggling with this track is because it has the components of a lullaby and doesn't sound like a lullaby at all. Um, no, every you're, it you're sounds, right. Actually, sounds exactly like a lullaby, but the complete opposite. Yeah.
1: The thing I liked uh, in my notes. I described them as the uh, the space beeps that are go through. Oh as. yeah,
2: there's a lot of little beeps and boops here. I mean, again, things that I would.
1: I am a sucker for those. Oh yeah, Always. it's and great. You put some robot beeps and boops in the song. I'm there. Yeah, I'm we
2: all a... get to have our thing. That's Let's remember true. that. Everyone should remember that.
1: And I do. I do like how, I was looking uh, in these tracks, we like there's just it just feels like there's a change up every track now for this part of the album. Like,
2: That's true. He starts to get increasingly diverse. We kind of do have like gospel as an anchor, but we yeah we uh, he dips into other things. Even at the very tail end of this very short track, we get a mellotron outro. At yeah. least I think it's a mellotron. I'm not entirely sure. It was we're some variety call it a variety of. Oh, I,
1: I was like, I, it was, my notes were like, is harpsichord? Question one?
2: No, it, it didn't have the it didn't have the the timbre of a harpsichord. That would be too tinny. This was this it was a little bit warmer, but it it was, yeah, I was I was digging it for as long as it stuck around. Could have I mean, been a whole separate idea, which again, kind of, I know this is in direct contrast to like my argument in the last track about how sporadic ideas tend to not be good compositionally. But here's the rub: I think they're better when it's on shorter tracks. Because then at least you get to take it for what it is. This is not a piece. This is an idea. A little, I don't know, head scratcher. The
1: album feels like a jam, like a collaboration. And because it's collaboration from so many, coming from different uh, musicians and singers and different genres, uh, when they, like you mix the faders, they bring one genre up, they bring one contributor up. Yeah. And then suddenly the the, the track completely changes from the rest of the album. And then you get a track like this, where they emphasize a couple different elements. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just stands out like an island all on its own. It's like a very, very different track, just based on emphasizing a couple of elements that do run throughout the entire album.
2: <laughs> the Dram Island. <laughs> the dra- the dr- hey, it's in the title. Sing dr- special. It is special. S- Something to go back to, maybe, in this <laughs> album. And yet, funny, actually, the thing that they come back to is really the next track, Blessings. That is a... We get a reprise, much later in this album, of Blessings, even though I'm not sure if it's necessarily the same music, but it's also, interestingly, called Blessings. Uh, but this features Jamila Woods. Well, it is just intended to be a, re- uh, Woods, a... reprise, of sorts. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, But it features Jamila Woods, and, uh, well, this is one where we're kind of in the anchor here. We're really back in gospel, and this is very gospel. I mean, just the opening hook. I'm going to praise him, praise him till I'm gone. I'm going to praise him, praise him till I'm gone. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. Uh, Seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. And, by the way, that line right there, which is actually part of the hook, is sung by Chance the Rapper. And it is indeed sung by Chance the Rapper. Yeah, he does quite a bit of singing on this record. Yeah, and uh, I, I enjoy that quite a bit. This is interesting because I felt that this track was in some ways the reverse of track three. Like, I feel like here, the beauty of it is kind of an afterthought. It starts out a lot more, sim- much more simplified than that. It's gospel for sure, but like, it's put together with such simple, silly components. It almost feels like some local band that got a regular spot on a on community television or something like that. You know, some people praise the Lord with sermons. Well, we praise him with music. And then they you have your half-hour spot. It's what it sounds like, because it doesn't have a lot of production value. I kind of appreciate it for that. Faders down, as Johnny said. There is
3: the little texture elements that do show up, though. I mean, it's almost got, like, a... A dare say jazz idea thrown in here and there with the way the bass or the way the rhythm is set up or stuff like that it's not pure gospel there's there's some texture here that for me really does a lot to
2: to build it up as one of the better tracks on the album for me I kind of agree like I said the beauty is an afterthought but it, it's after you sit with it you I, I warm up to it and I think it had more finesse perhaps than a couple of the earlier tracks I also like that in the verse here,
0: chances doing a spoken word thing, so uh, unlike Two Chains and Little Wayne, where John had this complaint that it was just kind of spoken and didn't fit, his spoken word here did fit this kind of bare bones verse beat work, and it just made this interesting dynamic for me. I also like the lines he's saying; he says them so matter of factly, and there I like the content that's here.
1: And the other thing is, uh, speaking of warming up to it, mm-hmm. like I my notes are. I should hate this, but I really like this track. Yeah, because I, I growing up uh, in Catholic school, I was subjected to a ton of Christian rock, Christian mm-hmm. rap, Christian R and B. So as soon as this, as soon as they start talking about the praising going up, the blessings coming down, I was like, ah, oh, my gut didn't like it. Yeah, but then I was singing along because it's just so catchy.
2: You have the post-Catholic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, guess. That, like it's Is like that...
1: That, that stupid gut reaction. I'm like, no, 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 listen to the song. And then like in like a day, I'm like. Yeah, that's really catchy. I'm humming it, aren't I? Yeah.
2: And, well, hey, isn't that community television, too? You're supposed to hate it. You're supposed to hate it. It's not high-quality material, but every once in a while, there's that show. But to to speak back to what Matt was saying, because we're going to go back to something else,
3: the texture of the first verse being very spoken word is very honest and very out there. But what happens in the second verse is that you can feel him getting heated. As the content becomes a little more real, a little more serious... And not just being, you know, in a good spot. When he starts actually, you know, citing things or alluding to things that should make him pissed, his voice gets pissed. Yeah. He gets not quite angry, but more mature as it goes along. And it's it is a
2: really solid transformation, and the same thing occurs in the music. In fact, because in the beginning, you just again, it's 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 warm but seemingly unformed. You have this the random little horn flourish, maybe a random jazz piano staccato flourish that was around 36 seconds. But then after a while, these start coming together. They start like becoming a part of the song as opposed to little random sound bites, and you identify them as as uh, consistent instruments, and they. They, they're, they're writing, they're composing the material, it's not just, it's not the, the mess that I saw earlier. But that's so weird considering how this began, because you'd think it would be even less fully formed. Yeah, it, it's showing a progression
0: both in this song and for the record, and I like where it's going. You know, and the uplifting feel of the chorus, you know, like Johnny said, it's one of those things where when you're not super religious, or you're not religious to this kind of religion, your gut tells you well I don't I don't why would I sing along to this it's but
3: not, it's it, less religious though than spiritual
0: it and is that's what makes well, it great well and it's spiritual and I hate to use the word honest like there's got to be a better word than using just saying honest but it does feel like it's coming from the
3: heart in a way where you can't help but get behind it's okay a lot of people will put the connotation of religious with the rules associated with said religion this is. Like it, this has nothing to do with Jesus will save you. It's more of
2: just the belief in something. That's Believing that's, in something will help you. It's and a, save a proclamation. You. Yeah. I'm gonna praise him, praise him till I'm gone. Right. That's all right. That's that's their belief. And here's the thing. I I I, I always kind of like uh, bemoan the fact that sometimes when we encounter a religious track. I mean, we had more controversial stuff, and this is not controversial by any stretch. No. We had Project Eighty Six back in uh, episode eighty-eight. Um, with uh, Suzanne Pike of the Barbaric Yeah. That was uh, the album Rival Factions. And that album was about, you know, having some kind of falling out with it, but also still kind of keeping the religion, you know, in place. So I kind of bemoan the fact that it always has to turn into some kind of controversy just when we see something uh, that is remotely religious. You know, right. I, I, for instance, like I was raised Catholic and I never had any particular falling out. I just was exposed to other things and I'm just in kind of a nebulous zone, but I would never like betray that part of how I was raised. I, I overall think it was positive. But I also respect the idea that other people may have that that little that twang, that feeling in your gut, you know, because they had something negative. So that's just bound. These are the subjects that are going to follow us with just about any item of music that we listen to. Whenever there's a subject that, as opposed to tugging at your heartstrings, pulls, tugs at them in the wrong way, then that's kind of inevitability. Um, but that's not really present here. It's just their belief, proclamation. And also what truly sold me on the hook, more than anything else, because
3: while content is great... The vocal textures that are going on right here with Jamila Woods and Chance working off of one another, really doing the trade-offs and really playing up what the other one is saying and how they're saying it makes it pro- the most, to date, the most powerful hook on this album. It's just it's just so enticing. It's not an earworm that gets stuck in there. Yeah. It's just something I am enjoying, it's something I just like the way they're expressing.
2: Yeah, it's not even like I'm really that, you know, in... in tensely uh, jubilant over the hook itself, I think I just like the overall kind of homey, down-to-earth nature of this track. It's like your neighborhood church house or something like that. You know, something in a more rural environment. That's what it feels to me, and I think there is something to be said there.
1: Also, uh, I really like just a a small note. I like how the, uh, when the music really starts to shift in the second verse, it also, when he starts to talk about how he has uh, him becoming a dad,
3: Mm. which is one of those yeah that's when things get serious
1: exactly and I really and it's one of those things where that is a uh, not a dad myself but we talked about me in diapers earlier like that moment when like a little human shows up in your life even if you're just the older brother like that that changes things and it it kind of grounds uh, his faith for me it makes it. Yeah. It makes it something I can. It makes it more to. about the people than. Yeah. the exactly. Yeah, kind it's of thing. it's about the people in your life and taking care and being responsible and and, that, and all the all these moral things I can understand yeah. that, that translate to being ethical or even exactly. or any faith or no faith. Yeah. This is where Faith
2: becomes—this is the kind of art where Faith is a poignant thing and not, you know, a matter of controversy. For instance, he says, "'I know the difference in blessings and worldly possessions, like my ex-girl getting pregnant and her becoming my everything. I'm at war with my wrongs. I'm writing four different songs. I never forged it or forfeited. I'm a force to be reconciled. They want four-minute songs. You need a four-hour praise dance performed every morning.'" I'm feeling shortness of breath, so Nico, grab your horn, hit Jericho with a buzzer beaten to the end of a quarter, watch brick and mortar fall like dripping water. Uh, and I love, by oh, the way, his great. flow here. His right. flow is absolutely phenomenal. And see, it, it translates very seamlessly from, you know, his personal place in life. Again, proclamation of how happy he is, and he translates it into music. So Nico, grab your horn. But interestingly, Nico uh, is the trumpet Trumpetist for Donnie Trump and The Social Experiment, who we reviewed back in episode 173, Surf. Yeah, and and they're littered throughout
0: the record, too, yeah. this record, because they work very closely together. I think, all in all, it's a, a, a really stand-up track, and I think it, also it connects. This is the point where I feel like the album starts to feel very connected, because the next track, track six, Same Drugs, I think is following in kind of a similar personality place. So this song starts with piano work that we've not gotten on the record, really, at all. We've gotten some piano mixed
3: in or synth, but this is literally just a piano. But you know what? The man and piano trope works great here. We just, we're going from gospel, so we're already working within a very natural framework. So to go to a guy, his piano, his feelings, kind of a presentation, which is what this is, and the light gospel like choir work that backs them up here and there the little touches of beat that show up the little strings that show up especially around chorus two i believe is when they first make an appearance and then sort of like nebulously show up here and there and everywhere throughout the track it's not just the man in the piano it's it's a little bit deeper and it does work within the framework of this gospel album we're kind of evolving into it works within the framework of just being you know Expansive and still remaining in that sort of spiritual place that we we've gotten really throughout the album, while also being very down to earth and allowing
2: it to talk about something that's a little more specific. Yeah, this is a uh, this is more about this is a secular track, I guess. <laughs> when you're talking about you know next to something religious, but uh, it's a track about. The line is we don't do the same drugs no more. Well, that's a metaphor, obviously, for we don't share the same things in common anymore. But it could be literal, too. You know, the idea of... No, actually, there's a thing where he went on Twitter and he said it, it's not about drugs. It's not actually
0: about drugs. <laughs> okay,
3: but but you can take it, but you can still take the yeah. wording as being literal, like if you used this- well, to... I, I took it as, as we don't do the same things to... To, to get happy, even though they were superficial and they, they really were destructive. Like, we don't do those things together
2: anymore. Yes. And we've lost this connection, even though it was destructive right, to well, our relationship. And I can go on a tirade for this Let's read a one. verse before I go into the music. Um, when did you change? Wendy, you've aged. I thought you'd never grow up. I thought you'd never. Window closed. Wendy got old. I was too late. I was too late. A shadow of what I once was.
0: I want to talk about what that actually reminded me of. That very much sounds like he's actually talking about Peter Pan there, because of the comment about the shadow of the window oh, being closed. Wendy, you're old now. That's good. I didn't oh, get that one. Look oh, at that. That was
3: good. I completely missed that. Like, Dude. it's just...
0: I don't know if he's actually doing a Peter Pan reference here, but it feels like it either way. That's no nope, nope, pretty verse specific. Two,
3: verse 2, it, it further solidifies it. Verse yeah.
2: 2, where did you go? Where? Oh. Why would you stay? You must have lost your marbles. Ah, uh, look at this. Yeah. You always were so forgetful. In a hurry, don't wait up. I was too late. I was too late. A shadow of what I once was. Cause we don't we don't do what we're gonna say. You're always perfect, and I was only practice. Don't you miss the days, stranger, don't you miss the days. Don't you miss the danger. Yeah, no, it and I that thought was, Don't you miss the adventure in Neverland? But see, but see what's interesting <laughs> about it is that You get a clap
0: for that. I got the the Peter Pan reference, but you guys didn't, and it still was as meaningful to you in a different way. And that's what I think is really great writing and storytelling at the same time. Telling a story that
2: everyone knows, and if some people don't get it, that's even better than if everyone gets it. Oh, absolutely. Um, This makes me... Really hate myself to swing back on the music and kind of counter your earlier comments (laughs) about the guy in piano, because I honestly thought that was a little sappy. I hate it. I know. I see after this because I really love the lyrics now, and I love that that reference. It's it's uh it's a wonderful, wonderful metaphor. But I but I but no, but I can't go as far as to say like, oh, the music makes so much sense. You know, these are things that you don't realize the variety of ways in which you can bring out you know a certain story. And I just at the end of the day, it was the chords. I know it's mean. But they were a little bit rudimentary and it enhances the, the sappiness of it. And I don't believe that, that Peter Pan is a sappy story. I mean,
0: it, I guess, but it being delivered in a sappy way, so it made sense for the structure. And again, I really love the lyrics here, so I was wrapped up in that. I hear what you're saying about it being rudimentary. I just, this was heavy and contemplative, and you could take it as heavy and contemplative about yourself or about Peter Pan
2: and either but, way but I think it me, worked but to me they were neither heavy nor contemplative see and I felt it was, it that way. I felt like it was you sat at the piano for 2 seconds and this is what you came up with mm-hmm. see it was it's, it's, it's
3: not that it's not that level for me I mean you I already, understand
2: oh, I'm a pianist I know but
3: there's <laughs> you also call me? there's <laughs> there's the strings there's the beat work there's the subtle uh, gospel choir work there's there is a little bit more forethought in this than just a man at a piano. That I can't just
2: discredit it as a trope. You know, I, I and I already, like, I, I feel bad pulling that card. It's not yeah. it's never as simple as like, oh, I play piano, I know what it's about. You know, it's not that simple, sure, you know, I know, But it's the problem. Is that this is like I feel like there is in general this trend of getting simpler. Things back to the basics, back to the basics, you know? And I feel like it is all a front for just that that case of Two chords. That'll be that. That'll that'll do it. Oh, that'll do it for the song. Wow. And it doesn't bring out any special feeling to me. And I believe this is a special story. And it ends up sounding a little bit more generic in the grand scheme of things. See, well, I don't
0: get the sense of it feeling generic.
2: I will admit that compared to the next
0: track that we go to, when we get there. Um, this does sound a little simpler, because I get some emotion from this, but when we when we get to the next track, I get more emotion from the instrumentation there. So I hear what you're saying in comparison, I just don't feel it
3: in the moment here. And then there's the outro. I really, really enjoy the outro, regardless of... As much you want to disparate it if you're going to disparage it. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. But where it starts so nice and soft and and then it gets it's it's sad the elec- the and then it gets guitar. happy and then it gets bigger and it gets, it gets it gets it gets not grand, but
2: grand for a children's kind of a story. Yeah, I had two reactions. Number one, electric guitar outro. Why don't you throw in the kitchen sink too? <laughs> uh, it's okay. But it's Second okay. Second reaction, I liked it. I really did. I yeah. genuinely liked that section. Um I guess I guess I'm just really I'm all over the place with this track, which is really proving true for many of these tracks. For instance, I kind of have glossed over the fact that there were uh, you actually mentioned it the really elaborate string sections. I believe
1: yeah, it, brief, it,
2: brief, 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 but... brief, but wonderful. And I loved the mixing on them more than anything in those string sections because they actually reminded me of a very specific thing because I re- listened to it recently, and that was uh, "She's Leaving Home" by the Beatles off of Sergeant Pepper. And the string sections in that, particularly how close they sound, the, the lack of reverb, it's just, it feels like it's right in your ear. This is the same, the same caliber of mixing, and I thought they, they did one, a wonderful job for this track. I just, the only, in fa- the fact, the only thing I'm kind of uh, said that I talked about it for so long, the only thing I don't like, really, is that piano. Just as a through line, I thought that was a little bit lame. It, it, everything else is doing so much, it's the only thing doing barely anything. From here, we'll go on to mixtape, which I was alluding to earlier, which is featuring Young Thug and little Yachty. I like little Yachty. Yeah. yeah. Yachty. yachty. No, it's, it's Yachty. It's Yiddish. No, it's not. Don't <laughs> do that. That's not okay. I'm pretty sure
3: it's Yiddish. Well, do you know what's back? The slur is back. And I'm really happy that the is back. Because in a very weird way, it fits so well to what this song is. So, I think that's only because
0: the darker tone of the instrumentation here... the, The last song had some depressing moments. But here, the instrumentation immediately gives you that heavy feeling that Steve was kind of discounting in the last track. And it's the only reason I kind of agree with you. is because, by comparison to this track, the way this instrumentation kind of lives it definitely feels
2: heavier and more depressing than the previous track, even okay. though the track, yeah. that track wanted to convey that as well. Yeah, and uh, I guess it all comes back to like what you feel is genuine or not, and yeah. this felt like something all of its own device. I really couldn't, I had a hard time putting into words really what is going on here. It really just has to do with the chord progression. As simple as it is, there's just a darkness to this that is hard to convey. Um, and on top of that, uh, it probably had the most interesting rap flow I felt on the album. I know that maybe seem weird because there's lots of other uh, acts of virtuosic rapping on this album, but the thing is here, I liked the way he broke up his sentences in this track. There were moments where it he just... Takes one word, or he puts in pauses that you don't expect, mm-hmm. and then he throws in the, the completion of the sentence. It was really pretty interesting. Um, and then, well, actually, by the time we get Young Thug's rap, it was a lot more fast, more more high energy. But um, at least the first half of this I enjoyed. Young Thug was okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind I Young it, Thug. I liked,
2: I liked him. Yeah,
0: I, okay. I think that Young Thug, both featured rappers on this track, I don't think stood out to me particularly, but they didn't... I wasn't I didn't dislike them like I didn't like, you know, Little Wayne or some, or two chains earlier. Here, I think they both did a good job, and they fit more importantly, I think they fit the emotional of the track. Whereas was my bigger problem with Little Wayne is that he just felt superimposed on something. Whereas here it all felt well mixed. And I like that The flow here makes sense on a sentence-to-sentence level, but it's mostly non-sequiturs, talking just about, which, when talking about a mixtape, which is a a lot about how he's so focused on making a mixtape and he feels like other rappers don't really do that anymore, I think that it supports the structure of the track to reflect
2: how he feels about a compilation or a mixtape. I thought it was interesting that he brought up that line, considering that my first reaction when I found out that this was a mixtape was, what's a mixtape? Which may speak, of course, to my, you know, not being in this culture at all, you know? But at the same time, I really don't think a lot of people are doing mixtapes lately. Something, it was really more of a 90s thing, you know? Lately, it's not like a common thing. Normally, if you want to produce something, you produce an album. Right? Of your own material, otherwise you bring in featured artists. Not necessarily like porting out from producer to producer to producer, but this is something that he has, he still cares about. He's still very much interested in. And I found it interesting that uh, I, I wasn't the only one that was surprised uh, to see a mixtape. He's apparently surprised that he's the only one still doing it.
1: Well, the last uh, major show was, I think, that was really going. Mixtape, mixtape, mixtape was uh, Das Racist, and they went mixtape, 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 studio album that nobody liked. So oh. there's a part. Of, there was a part of me was always just, in my head. I'm just like, maybe Chance doesn't want to get like that Das Racist jinx on his career. He's like, uh. no, no, they're just all mixtapes because they'll stay good, right? You like them, please.
2: <laughs> that's interesting because I. That's such. I, it is antithetical, I guess in some way to the way in which we argue about albums, right, and the kinds of things that we have shown to value, even though we try to keep our minds open, uh, in concerning arc, you know, and that if you have multiple producers, well, then there wasn't a central idea, or the only central idea is the artist, but then he has to kind of keep his producers in check, whereas usually it's a little bit more of a consistent collaboration between you and one other person. But here you have so many people working on this that you find a little bit more of a... um, I guess, a compilation aspect to this, and yet I still feel that there's an arc. It's just, who would have thought that that would have actually kind of made this album better? We don't know, because I don't know what a Chance the Rapper album looks like.
3: Well, we do. This This is an album for him. But I think the collaborative effect that is going on right here between producers, between guest singers, guest artists, showing up and, you know, doing their thing, and he still has his... I don't want to say it's a fallback, but it's like his, his his home with the social experiment in a lot of ways, considering they're on more than half of these tracks. Right. Uh, it's, it, it, it is him, but at the same time, it feels like it's him just being reflected in so many different lights. We're getting a bunch of different genres going on right here, even though home seems to be gospel rap. It, it, we're getting a different ideas, different genres. But even when you have stuff like Dram, which I don't believe had anything to do with him at all, at least credited-wise, uh, it still felt like it belonged on this album. Like It still felt like it was a, a component here. With this track, it's also showcasing how the guest aspect of what's going on right here can be bothersome. Because while I did like Young Thug... About halfway through, because after halfway through, he starts going through a a phase of over-pronunciation, sort of contrasting the under-pronunciation of the the slur of chance, which I really enjoy. But this over-pronunciation is screwing with sounds a little bit too much for me to really get into what's being said. Mm -hmm. What happens when that third first and uh, little Yakti shows up, I'm just, she just, it's another one of those moments of talking. There's just talking going on, and the flow really gets lost on me, where it, it feels like this song was made for chance. In a lot of ways, everything here was made for chance, and the guests that show up, they can either try to approach it from his angle, which is what happens much of the time, but in this case... Uh, uh, little Yakti didn't. She
2: she's doing what she does, and this is not really meshing with the song itself. I'm kind of with you there. I thought that that section was pretty pretty loose, and I wasn't really down with it for that reason alone. I mean, I I hear
0: that. I think I was so wrapped up in the instrumentation and kind of the tone of the whole track that I let that stuff go. I didn't. I don't necessarily disagree. It just I don't think it hit me as harshly because I was focused on something else.
1: I don't want to dogpile on, on Little Yachty, but I also did not like that verse.
2: All right. <laughs> um, we'll get the cynicism out of you yet. But it's, it's uh, I don't know. I, the thing is, I, I'm inclined really to enjoy this track as a whole because, like you said, of the yeah. interpretation the darkness, the tone, but even that I have to pull back a little and say it didn't really change up. You know, it was kind of on a constant loop. It keeps you in the same, like, well, again, I, I just that... I keep harping on this composition point. You know, I... I do have a little bit of an issue when people kind of stick with the same thing. Then the track could be half as long, a quarter as long. It doesn't really matter. But I think that that's intentional to
0: keep you in the same place, this kind of same emotional place. And so for the duration of his lyrics.
3: And so I, I like it. I think it supports the lyrics and the style really well. I think I would go and make a further argument to that, which while I would want more instrumentation and some expansion on that, I think that by keeping the beat so through line so similar that even when you get from verse to hook you're like there's there's almost no change if if there even is a change i think that allows these uh, major chunks with the guest rappers and the guest stars to be the musical change as opposed to the actual instrumentation being the musical change i just feel that some parts like young thug showing up and him doing the hook was great because it it's it's playing off of chance and the first half of his rap like really working for me until his own inflection started to bleed a little through sometimes it just really doesn't work because it still has to uh, it still has to connect the same way that chance is connecting with this track and i think that's where my biggest problems are showing up with a lot of the guest spots with a lot of the producer spots it's like it's it's his idea. It's his identity that's being presented here. I, I I hate to say it, but sometimes I feel the additional people coming in have to conform to his identity to really keep the cohesion. And I I hate no, to I say that. that. I hate to say it though, because these are their own artists that are
2: that are showing up. But sometimes it's a little bit too much of their persona. No, I agree with that. And in that case, I mean, that is kind of an indictment against, I guess, the pastime of bringing in featured artists. I mean, that's really what that is at its core. And I'm okay with you making that indictment because I pretty much do feel the same way. But I sometimes think it you works run a great. Lot of, sometimes it does work great. But there, that, has to be, that has to be in the back of your mind the entire time.
0: I feel like this album might have had some big holes, though, if they didn't have as many featured guests as they did. I think it was designed, this album was designed for
3: that. I will agree to that, only because it was... It's almost
2: from the ground up, just like we're going to get friends and family and, like and patriots working of a together. All right, well, it. just to put, uh, kind of start to wrap this up, we are having about like two or three simultaneous discussions here. <laughs> And that is, I mean, that's the issue, because all each of those things are issues. Like on one hand, like his rapping, love his rapping flow, I cite it as the best thing on the album, and then the featured artist comes in and really kind of ruins that. And then in terms of the music, I love the core idea, but then the fact that it just keeps going with it, because in general I have... Have issues with stagnancy, that's a problem. So I'm really just like 50-50 down the line on this track. It's a track with interesting ideas that could have been done a little better. All right. Well, let's go
0: on to uh, what I believe is one of the singles from the record, Angels, featuring Saba. Um, I mean, this one starts off feeling really dancey, which I like because it's different again. And I, I right. like the genre hopping here. I think it makes sense. And considering where we got Chance from with "Die Trumpet also kind of jumping around quite a bit, I feel like it's natural at this point, and I'm kind of along for the ride i'm I'm over the oh it's a different genre. I don't care like i'm just I'm on board There's
2: enough of a through line here that that yeah, is yeah. really not my issue in this album at yeah. all. I think he manages to be to have a lot of variety within his uh, within his identity. Nothing here does not feel like something that would come from the heart of the chance the rapper uh that said this is. Sort of at the peak, I guess, of what you'd in- enjoy in a concert sense. Yeah. Because this is the all-out concert jam. This is where everyone's having fun. And it, as a... Going with that, this is a lot kookier. The beat was really, really interesting. I was kind of wrapped up in this for some reason. And... It made me really kind of overlook some of these lyrics, which I did not think was quite up to stuff. No, I'm, I'm definitely on board with
3: that. I've, I just couldn't get into the lyrics, though. The vocals... We're really I like the way really he, the way used, he's really rapping, good. though, yeah. The yeah. hook is phenomenal in this track for me.
1: I mean, this is my favorite song in the album. I don't think I could remember a line of lyrics from this song. All oh, right, yeah. you are. For, yeah, for me it is all. Just, I don't like, even remember
2: the hook. That's yeah, okay. We all have those. Yeah, the yeah. flow
1: is great. The, the I love this beat and like and I and I the I've, metal this, drums. Yeah, oh, the steel drums are great. I, I've this is the track on this album I've listened to the most, but I'm definitely not listening for the lyrics on this one. It's just the as a piece of music.
0: It just the way it makes you feel oh. and you kind of move to it. Yeah, so it just and I totally cool. get that. And I think this also supports the. I think it's also a nice compliment to mixtape, which was kind of darker and more introverted and personal. This is way more expressive and extroverted, and it's a nice foil to it. Extroverted, <laughs> very yeah. good.
1: If
3: I'm if I'm not mistaken, dude, do, does the is this a track where the dog sound shows up again? The barking. Probably. Yeah. yeah. He never really Look, left. He think. opens up
1: with that that <laughs> i don't yeah. know call the chance the rapper. Yep. He does that at the top. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Chance the rapper. Um, yep. I like little, that. Little chance. And then,
3: <laughs> uh, but, but other elements that do step up because this is really where the flow of the music actually seems to change more than almost anything else up until this point. We get the horns on top of the the steel drums that come in for the hook. Those horns show up, and there's short little arrangements, but they do so much in Mm -hmm. such a brief span. I, I like texture. He's really good with the texture on this stuff. I'm really digging the upbeat nature of it. I like how his
0: lyrics and his flow kind of pick up pace and speed as the song goes on. It starts... It's it's all dancey and kind of fast-paced, but he, his flow starts a little slower and then picks up speed, and then he kind of kicks in a high gear, almost like just, uh, uh, pacing before
3: taking taking off and running really fast. And I will say that uh, Saba, while uh,
2: did, okay, I complained about previous guys, Saba works great in this. Yeah. Shows up in the hook. I love I love the hook. I don't... I, don't, I mean, it's all right. It's all right, but that is where I have almost my my prime disagreements with just the uh, the the rhyming scheme is is lazy to me they was talking woo woo this woo wop man we already we already ignored the words so great i feel like alexander because you have to sort shorten alexander the great down to a little apostrophe it doesn't even rhyme regularly or with the apostrophe and then he continues wear your halo like a hat that's the latest fashion i got angels all around me they keep me surrounded Fashion and surrounded. Give me a break. That's not even close. That's a John complaint, and I appreciate it. I, no, I felt like John while I'm saying this. <laughs>
3: but it's you, you, I, in this case, I'm just gloss over. It. Yeah, like this cannot be. Show rap But even
2: just to be fair, over. even to be fair, like a lot of times you'll bring up little issues like this, and I would say like, oh, but it's well, it's well sung, but yeah. it's not even really well sung here. It's, it's the music. This, yeah. this is it's pure flow. Just it's it's all it. flow for verses, and it's all music second to that. You're you're exactly, you're
3: 100% correct, and I don't think this is the only track that we're just going to ignore the grammar and not speak of it, but I'm a little forgiving here because it really does its job of being rousing so damn well. Mm -hmm. I I don't care what's being said. I just want to go with it. This is the one time I'm just going to go la, 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 la and ignore the words. So.
1: might be a bit of a strange point, but the idea of not caring about what's being said in this song I think is exactly why this is the song I want to use to introduce my dad to Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. Because my dad likes some rap, but he never pays attention to the lyrics, which is how he did not know Biggie Smalls dealt crack before he seen the <laughs> biopic. He's like, I didn't think it'd be like that, Johnny. I was like, Dad, did you not listen to any of the lyrics he he, he sang and rapped about dealing cracks? Uh, nope. Mm-hmm. I just like the beat. And this is, like, I think, the archetypal... This is just a great beat. This is a great song. They found something good. Yeah, and I'm just, and I, I mean, in my head, I see this just like kind of playing at a fa- at a barbecue in my family. Because also, I think, that I believe there are no swears unless I don't remember. the dabam" is some sort of Chicago slang swear I don't know about yet. What? Well, maybe. Maybe, um, maybe some parts
3: of of. Her- okay, I can see definite problems with like. Power 92, Angel gonna juke, 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 like that, okay, if they did it, like, eight times, I would, I would be, like, deploring this sound, deploring this track, because that is in a very annoying spot, in an otherwise just, like, nice, easy flow, but... they don't. They don't just push the boundaries on any of this stuff. They don't get too repetitive. I'm okay. Well,
2: first let me just swing back and comment on something that Johnny said, because I find it interesting that your dad, um, he doesn't listen to rap lyrics. He just got into the music of rap. And that it's so contrary to me, considering that I feel like that was all anyone could focus on rap for, like back in the 80s and 90s. Like a lot of people were just like, the lyrics are bad. Bad or they speak, or rather they speak of um, controversial subjects. Therefore, I don't like the genre. And here, your dad just made a beeline for the music. That's interesting to me.
1: He's all about the hook, the refrain, the beat, and the flow. So he hey. he, so he really likes Kanye West. He likes the uh, he he <laughs> I think is the last guy still blasting uh, the <laughs> the Graduate like his first like two albums still when he drives around Long Island and. I realize it is is because he's not listening to the words. Yeah. Just the refrain, and I know he'd love just the refrain. That'll be the part he remembers. I like that part when he when he does that, he sings about the angels being around, and that's nice. And then everything else will just be steel drums, things I want to dance to. All right,
2: I respect <laughs> that. In which case, this song undoubtedly has uh, an appeal on that level. <laughs> it's quite a high appeal, in fact.
1: It's a. Papa Caligula top pick, I'm certain.
2: Papa Caligula. So <laughs> i we'll make right. that a separate category in the Crash court's Best Ofs. Um, track nine, <laughs> Juke Jam featuring Justin Bieber and Tokyo. Yeah, so... I, yeah, I don't know <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> what can be said
0: yeah so all right well let's start with how the song starts because here's the first kind of scene setting kind of moment we get on the track where yeah, we get, we get this kind of behind the door kind of intro like you're listening to a party from the outside but then after that it immediately kicks into the grooviest slowiest slow jam slowiest yeah
3: it's it, really it, long it's a mm. really long
2: in its uh, chord progression, in its beats, in everything, it really only an emphasis on like beat one and three, and it's a pretty, it's pretty slow at that. I mean, I would say it's like around, I don't know, eighty BPM maybe or something like that. But then with the pulse on one and three, you really feel it more, like a little bit lower, like more down to sixty. It's interesting, and I think it was very much needed for the yeah. track, as, for the album as a whole, because the, it slowed things down a notch. It slowed things down a notch, and with it comes beautiful elements such as the acoustic guitar in the background on which I thought the bends were beautiful thus this was probably up in the more tasteful tracks where I enjoyed almost everything that kind of came at me and I know this is very weird for this album because in general it's been kind of jumping around and I in many ways I'm sure that the earlier tracks on this album would get more radio play if indeed it gets radio play but the thing is this Track. I think that because they slowed it down, whereas some people here at this table may feel like it gave them a cause to scrutinize various little things because they stand out amidst the slow backdrop. I felt the opposite. I felt like it was. I Okay, he's alluding to the fact that I feel like the extreme
3: elongation that's going on right here, and I keep drawing out my words because I want to emphasize that it feels like there's a little, little, so little going on in a very long amount of time. And it really does make me feel like there's just a bare bones of music going on. I like the lyrics. I like how the story unfolds right here. But the singing really just doesn't quite do it for me because... It's uh, With such a nonchalant kind of an attitude going on with the lyrics, it feels like there's such a nonchalant attitude going on with everything else. I I, I enjoy what Chance is doing. I enjoy what Tokyo is doing. I did not realize that I hated Justin Bieber in this track until I realized that Justin Bieber did the part that I hate in this track. The juke. I hate the juke. I hate what... Juke. That's a different topic. I'll get to that in just a moment. But because everything feels like it's stretched, I see that there's... Just nothing musically
2: going on for here that I'm that I'm really just digging. This this is one of those days where I feel I, I desperately wish we had a topic, you know, coming following our monologues. Yeah. Of course, today we'll we had a guest, week. and and, and our, our guest usurped that topic, Johnny. But here's the thing: I feel that an appropriate like parallel discussion to have alongside this album is one of those very metaphysical taste discussions, yeah. as opposed uh, specifically what uh, defines taste as you go through an album that introduces usually one really really awesome thing and then the question becomes, is it enough? And so far we've been just pivoting back and forth along this yeah. I know I've mostly been a little more of the cynic here where I find that one good thing and then I say in the end, but they keep it there and that's not enough for me. Um, and the rest is just color. It's all, it's all schmaltz, schmaltz and smutch. But <laughs> this, but here for John, he's the one doing it and I, on, Contrary to what I've been before, I think that this is a track where they've slowed it down uh, the appropriate amount, and there's a lot more scrutiny as they go by moment to moment, and the groove feels a little bit more natural and less less forced or less rudimentary. Instead, it's just something, a solid core that you can just live with, because it maybe maybe it's all in context. Maybe it's all because of the tracks that we had earlier. That's why this is so important to me. I, I can't really say. I mean, um, I can see that though. I can, I can get
0: on board with that, and I think also the delivery of the vocals I pretty much like. I, I will agree that when Justin Bieber delivers what I guess is the chorus, even though it's not labeled as such, it's not as good as everything else. It's not great. It's but, not. But, uh, no, no, but no, 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 no. no stop. No. But <laughs> I am. It doesn't take me out of the song. I still can enjoy the song despite
3: not liking that part whereas John doesn't like any of the song and especially that part. Okay, the I uh, I like elements of the song I'm I'm pulling a big old Steve right here I like elements that are showing up right here but uh, to just do one final point on the music I feel like because nothing feels accented or particularly important while it was in previous tracks because of the rapidity uh, okay to go along with that here I just feel like nothing is going to stand out because with the lack of speed, there's also, I
2: can't gloss over the lack of complexity. Well, in that case, the simple answer is this album is a freaking yin-yang. <laughs> because, no, seriously, because I feel exactly the opposite in the fact that maybe the Justin Bieber, in retrospect, and the Juke, which is already kind of just comical to me enough that maybe it's starting to add just a little bit of camp appeal. I mean, I think, really, the majority of this track I actually liked, and those are the exceptions. The little dot in the sea of mostly good stuff. What do you feel, Johnny?
1: You I, I feel it. like the, the the change in tempo kind of lost me on this track, so I think going, I just I didn't follow the album to that lower, that, the lower key, the, right. or not actually lower key, but slowing it down yeah. to more of a darker R&B track, and I really, it's just the juke became the thing that stuck out the most to me, and I know that's not intended, but it's one of those things where I, I feel like that's to me it's starting to become like a fatal flaw in the song because it's it's one thing it's in the refrain it stands out in a bad way and I and I it bugs me that it's the thing I remember most now
3: mm. but there's a, there's something I don't like there's something further than that that bothers me here it's the fact that we're getting two very forceful vocalists Chance and Tokyo that are very identifiably, like, leading men in this track. Like, they are stating facts. But when Justin's vocals come in, and I will say, I did not know it was Justin, I did not know he was on this track. When I heard his part, he is saying something that's actually, in a lot of ways, just cementing the point home that's being made. We've got so much history, baby, maybe maybe you and i were meant to be maybe i'm crazy like it's it's not as decisive as some of the other stuff but he's he's like he's making the the final statement it feels like it's so background. It feels
2: like he's actually receding from you, and that bothers me a lot. On this, you will find no disagreement from me. They are meaningless lyrics, and I thought the same without really necessarily, well, all right, I, unlike you, I did know it was Justin Bieber going in. I read the title, and it's, it, uh, maybe there's a little bit of that bias there, but I knew on, on just simply hearing it that it was out of place. I guess the the vocal timbre didn't quite match. In many ways it's not really. It has nothing to do specifically with Justin Bieber. It's analogous to many of the earlier problems we had with yeah. various other featured artists. It's that I didn't feel there was a lot of integration and it's just a cameo for the sake of a cameo.
3: And then the random jukes really just And
2: that, that's the, they're, they're like that's the cameo exact, for the cameo. And then yeah, that's like
3: that's further. That's like you have to be like really forceful now to make up for the not
1: forcefulness that's and, going on. Uh Comparing to a song I brought up, uh, to a different song, it makes me think of David Bowie's "Fashion," which has a kind of comical "beep beep" that he does multiple times over the refrain. But the rest of the song can hold my attention enough that it's not that song where David Bowie goes "beep beep." And this song <laughs> doesn't have enough going around, going going on with it for me to not think about it as. Anything but the the Juke song.
2: Yeah, well, I can think of leagues of, of songs that do similar things and have that one little sound bite. And honestly, when I think of them as a whole, they're split down the middle between the ones that are like, "That's comical, that was cheeky of you," and then the ones where I'm just like, "Oh God, you're ruining something." Yeah, I'm right
1: now. I'm leaning on the ruining yeah. it, but it, who knows? This is also a song uh, track I've definitely listen to the least on the album, so it might be like in a week, it'll be like no problems, and it'll 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 find me and it'll
2: get. Perhaps me. that's what happened with Fallout Boy. That's right. true. Not explicitly, I, but,
0: you know. All right. Track 10, All Night, featuring Nox Fortune. Um, surprisingly, for the first time on this record, and I thought we might get something like this sooner, we get some 80s synth, which we talk at nauseum about on lots of other records. But here, there hasn't really been a ton of it. The synth work had felt very timeless up until this point, kind of just synth work, you know, maybe more modern, I guess. Whereas here between the 80s synth and the kind of grooving beat that's with it it felt very much like a song of that time and you know, it got my head bobbing pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, I know. Here's another case. I mean, this was a constant loop as well. But I kind of liked the rhythm here. Yeah. It just changed it up a little bit. I. Uh, this is more upbeat again. We're doing. We're dealing with another one that felt kind of like a dance song. I do. I do. You know, grow a little weary of the fact that we're speaking in abstractions without yeah. really like getting t- down to the music itself. Um. But I guess this is kind of what this album has boiled down to because. At its core, I am in general really not enjoying the lack of composition. Yeah. Like, all right, even even that has a little disclaimer to it. What is composition? Of course it's composed. Of course this was assembled, right? But when I I speak of composition, I'm always talking about in terms of connecting sections together, introducing new sections, and then bringing together various sections from those sections together, you know, motifs that evolve throughout the course of the track. And uh, none of these tracks are necessarily doing that. Thus, I just step down a peg and I look through the I look at this album through a slightly different lens in terms of let's say dance tracks or in terms of tracks that have a little bit of emotional soul to them and and the message and the and the album flow and the rap flow and within those umbrellas it's honestly pretty good so thus, when you're looking at this a track like this, which kind of doesn't bother with all the other stuff, where I'm 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 teased <laughs> with the proposition of composition, right? As I do feel was kind of the case earlier in this album. Here, it's just it's it's straightforward, right? It's a good beat, it's easy to groove to, and it's not that long. It's rather concise, which means I don't get tired by it. It's two minutes and twenty-two seconds long.
0: Yeah, cause... as far as content goes, like the lyrics are a little goofy and silly, but. It's kind of like the the musical equivalent of big dumb fun. You know, this this thing where you kind of just get wrapped up in what it is. You don't really think too hard about how good it is and yeah. just kind of enjoy it for what it is whether it's okay or not.
3: Is you know, is is kind of unrelated because you're so wrapped up in just what it's doing. This yeah. is this is that track that I said we're not we're not going to talk about the grammar because is you is or is you ain't got gas money has <laughs> like 15 15- Grammatical, yeah, problems. but that's also that's playing on a
0: classic song. I yes. think. I think it's absolutely supposed yeah. to be related to "Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby." Yeah, uh. but but but, but the, it,
1: to get the reference, it becomes very clunky, and it, it's. It, I, I I see what you're saying, and but if, to me, if, the track feels like it's like archetypal party music in the way that I'm not going to pick apart the meanings of old Rolling Stone songs. That's just to a, hang out and have beer music. A lot of the time. And to be fair, a lot of rappers are
2: guilty of of that. For instance, just even the clunkiness of, you know, referencing Alexander the Great before. You know, lots (laughs) of clunky rap lyrics out there. And in this case, yeah, I don't think it's really that much better. But I still say that maybe this was a little bit cheekier in that regard because it was a little bit more concise. I think this was a song of gibberish. And that's... That's how I took it. Yeah, that becomes yeah. its own umbrella. Yeah, and I just got, like I said before, I got
0: wrapped up in it, and I don't, I didn't overthink it. So for me, I just enjoyed it and moved on to the next track. I didn't really, here's, it here's, didn't really do, give me a problem.
2: Here's a line, uh, long discussions. Are you my cousin? No, you wasn't. You just want to ride. You just want to talk about politics, Chicago shit, and rocket ships. Yeah. What a smorgasbord of things. You just want to, you just want to, you just want to start dancing. Oh. Yeah, it's it. That's it, where it comes it, back in the end. Yeah, 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 no, and I mean that kind of says it all really. he also kind of not so uh, explicitly says I've been drinking all night in which case I mean he says Knox Fortune says I've been drinking Drink all, it all night, night. Yeah. quite explicitly
1: I feel bad for the uh, the bartenders that will eventually become so sick of this song because it
2: will be played everywhere it, it, it definitely uh. feels
1: like a song that it doesn't come on till one in the morning in a bar but then it plays right until close
2: yeah. you are right. oh no is you is or is you ain't? got yeah. this yes. money. The
1: worst part is though, I want to sing along to it. No IOUs
2: or debit cards. I need cash money. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's silly. It's, it's, I laughed. He's
1: got, he's got me. He's got me singing yeah. along to ter- two lyrics we all admit are terrible.
2: Seventy-five percent of us laughed. Track eleven, how great, <laughs> featuring Jay Electronica and my cousin Nicole. There's no such artist. It's his cousin. It's It's actually Chance's cousin, which I think... Well, first of all, so this... We've gotten hints of gospel,
0: gospel mixed with other things. This is absolutely 100% gospel music here. True. Um, And I... You know, I'm not a huge fan of gospel music. Not not because I don't like it per se, but I'll, I'll say... I don't go out of my way to listen to gospel music. It's not that I don't like it. I just don't have a lot of albums. I don't... I haven't been to a lot of sermons that have gospel music. Like, I feel like I would enjoy it if I was there and it was live, for sure. But this I'm enjoying, and
2: I I think it's strikingly beautiful, more or less from the moment it starts. Excuse me for the lack of sourcing here, but if you search what I'm about to say, you will find a chance the rapper's quote. My grandmother passed away a few weeks before we recorded this, and my cousin Nicole sang How Great Is Our God, uh, which I believe is a hymn, and it crushed me. A week later, I had her come to the studio Recorded her, and then Francis, uh, one of the producers, I believe, did his harmonizer thing, and as a whole, it's so close to my heart. Actually, so, I mean, if we're personal talking pers- yeah, yeah speaking of that harmonizer, um, as the, as her voice
3: goes through, like, subtle little shifts in autotune to eventually become, like, full-fledged autotune, I really like that. It was being used as an sh- interesting fact. Yeah. yeah, playing off of, like, the pure choir work that's going on behind it, like, it that was really. That was just like straight up cool.
2: Yeah, the way plus. it
3: flows, and, and it does a great job of doing that, and then allowing the rest of the track. Because it's not just the gospel choir. That's just that's just the meat and potatoes right there. That's the beginning and the technically, it's, yeah, it's just the intro. It's the beginning and kind of like the middle as well. Uh, but it's it's like it's just a long profession of just. Happiness in many ways and faith, but what I like also is this track takes its time.
0: Like this intro featuring his cousin is not over in thirty seconds. It takes its time. It goes through what I'm guessing is the whole hymn because I'm not absolutely familiar with it, and then has an, there's an intro a little skit to follow the intro, and then we get our first rap verse. And I like how we kind of get
3: steeped in this. The density of this track is really engaging. To oh, me. this is like the this is the top notch rap on the album. This is some of the best wordplay, not just in uh the delivery because chance does a, a a hell of a job and Jay electronica does a hell of a job following him up but the content is just like there it's it's a book we're getting a full-fledged book after the gospel and it kind of acted like the gospel like the message from god we get we get the act we get the homily we get the the content and the explanation and the reasons for this praising which is it kind of follows the Catholic progression of, of a church sermon where you get the reading and the priest explains the reading and how to ex- expand
2: your life. But I was it, actually an altar boy for a while. You know, it was, so you know it exactly went, what I'm talking it about. It went something to the effect of... Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no yeah.
2: jokes. It was an yeah. um, overall pretty good experience. but oh, it was, um, I take it back. Yeah, yeah, you go. Yeah, everyone has their jokes on that, though. It's yeah. tiresome after a you while.
1: Know, my grandfather wouldn't let us be altar boys. Really? He For uh, the reason he, I think? He, had, my, he never explained it to my dad, but he, like, took him aside when we were small children. He's like, don't, please don't, please do. And, like, Central, on um, my mother's side, strict Central American Catholics. So, yeah. I don't know what it was, but he meant some shitty priest. That's, eh, that's
2: interesting. I had generally good priests, but it had more to do with the homilies themselves. There were the fire and brimstone priests, right? Yeah. Those are always the ones where it's like, it has nothing to do. You're just sitting up there and you're the closest listening to it, so you have, like, kind of the front row seat to all of that fire and brimstone, and it gets a little tiresome. And then there were just the genuinely, like, try-to-be-good-to-your-brother kind of homilies, and they were the vast majority. So, in this case, here's what you get. The first is that God is better than the world's best thing. God is better better than the best thing that the world has to offer. Um, magnify, magnify, lifted on high. Spit at Spotify to qualify a spot on his side. I cannot modify or ratify. My mama made me apple pies, lullabies and alibis. Devil will win employee of the month by the dozen till one score in three years from the third when he doesn't. My village raised him a child. Uh, come through the crib and it's bustin'. You meet anyone from the city, they're going to say we cousins. Shabak, barak edify. Uh, electrify the enemy like Hedwig till he petrified. Any petty Peter Pettigrew could get the pesticide. 79th, 79th, I don't believe in science, I believe in signs. Don't believe in signing, I see dollar signs. Color, white, collar crime. Good God, the gift of freedom. Hosanna Santa invoked and woke up slaves from Southampton to Chatham Manor. My dream girls behind me feel like I'm James Early. The... The type of worship made me Jesus come back a day early with a faith of a pumpkin seed-sized mustard seed. Here, for I will speak noble things as entrusted me. Only righteous, I might just shrug at the skullduggery. I couldn't stand to see another rapper lose custody, exalt, exalt, glorify, descend upon the earth with salt, swords, and fortify the borders where your shorties lie. I used to hide from God, duck down in the slums like... Shh. And there's a distinct pause right here, yeah. which I thought was very pointed to just absorb the very multifaceted, uh... That's hard to say without trying to wrap it. Yeah. yeah, and it's... That's a lot of words. Well, and it's, well we've, uh, had, and we've had a little well, more difficult before. But there, it's
3: but. so well arranged.
0: Yeah, and I like the reference work here. Like, you know, he's referencing things, religious, pop culture, and he's just making it personal to him in
2: talking about what he knows and what he likes, as well as his story, and I think it's a nice mix. Well, even though it was never like particularly my thing, I do kind of in. I find it sort of interesting some of these like philosophical discussions that deeply theological people will occasionally get involved in, and that sounds like what he's going through here, yeah. which is actually something you would find in a more self-aware-minded priest, homily. Yeah, I agree,
0: um, and it just it kind of showcases what this song is all about. I mean, I honestly really have no complaints about this song. I think it's it's well executed. I enjoy it. I think that. I don't I can't think of a critique for it, you know. I, I I just really like the whole package as it is. And
3: it just it breaks the norm like in every single way. There's no hook, yeah. there's no nothing. This is just a pure
2: praise and message yeah. track. Yeah, and J Electronica's verse kind of goes down a similar route, but at at times it almost it's either a separate perspective or I I see little doses here where it could actually be like the faith versus doubt uh, dichotomy that is actually portrayed between both verses. I'm I can't verify that. There's just little certain things that like reach out to me where I wonder whether there is some like you know there's there's bound to be doubt in every form of this. Sure. It's just, and it feels even like it even be, chance was saying that he kind of like came around to God or something. Yeah, like so it, yeah, so it could it
0: could be like
3: this depiction of the other side of the coin,
0: maybe.
2: Yeah.
3: I, I see it as more of like a stronger stance of what was being built in the first verse. This is more of of actually making a stance as opposed to just finding your strength. This
2: is more this is portraying it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I I suppose it is probably. Uh, I think it's a reflection. I think it's probably a mirrored through through um. Through his perspective, it does, after all, end with mystery Babylon tumbling down, Satan's establishment crumbling down. This is the year that I come for the crown, uh, bury my enemies under the ground. Come for the crown is often a euphemism for, you know, the the crown of, of God, Lord is your king, and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: I would also say the thing I really love about these lyrics is just how dense they are, because... I don't even kind of want to offer an opinion on what is being said because I'm just I feel like I should go through this line by line and get all the allusions and all the references. Mm-hmm.
3: And even then I think there's a lot of lines here that could be taken multiple ways, which exactly. is even better because I, I saw a few that showed up and I'm not going to expound on them because I don't have a half an hour, but yeah, some of them exactly. some of them actually work in multiple ways for completely different reasons. Yeah,
1: this is yeah, like this is the opposite of uh of all night where it's just, the lyrics are just so good. I kind of almost want to put the track on loop and then just read through these and just Google them when I get home tonight to figure <laughs> out. I'm like, oh, is that a reference? Because and, and I as we're looking through this, I'm like, oh, are they talking about Obama? Because he's from Chicago. And I realized like, <laughs> this, just the decoding this could yeah. be a, its own episode, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Actually, I, one more theory and then we'll move on, I promise. I think maybe this is about chances progression of going from religion toward, I away from religion, rather, right? Because he ends with, I used to hide from God, ducked down in the slums, like, shh. And he begins, the first is that God is better than the world's best thing. That's a downward progression. And then J. Electronica's is, starts with, I was lost in the jungle, like Simba after the death of Mufasa, ends with that whole, this is the year I come for the crown thing. The exact reverse. All right. I don't know. I'm sticking with that one. All right. <laughs> Based on four lines total. All right. Track 12, Smoke Break featuring Future. So this one, I think we can
0: expound on in a much denser conversation. It's pretty straightforward. But what I like about this track is it's taking some a, a simple concept of smoking a bowl of weed with someone and kind of sexualizing it, but also using it to display love and affection. And I just kind of like... I mean, instrumentally, it's got that kind of you know sexual groove to it, that cool R and B feel. But I, you know, content-wise, I like that it's delivering something that could be considered very sweet, but also in this kind of rugged, rough way. I don't know. It's it's an interesting
3: um, way to kind of frame all of this. The imagery is really. It's, a, it's another track about growing up that's using the imagery from childhood mm-hmm. to explain. Th- how the growing up process was. yeah, which I, I like the fact that it's a, it's, a, it's a sort of a distancing himself from the you know the the stupid ideas and stupid things that you kind of do in your childhood. and by saying,, the, now we can't do this. I kind of wish we still could go back to it, and that's where the hook steps in. Let me crack this blunt, slow down for a second, break it down. Oh, she said, let me lick this blunt, slow it down for a second, Break it down. Oh, we deserve, we deserve, we deserve a smoke break. And like it's like you're trying to grasp onto those like
2: childhood things, but he's portraying it with drug culture and. But I don't media, think it's not it's not childhood things. I think this is about the relationship. Yeah, this is about his relationship with his wife. And yeah. Well, I'm I'm saying or childhood sure. like
3: like the teenage years or what have you of of when they were young and in love. So young, all oh, right. Is Comparing
2: sure. not like the, the idea of like going towards. in his yeah. medies, he has a you know a, a, a girlfriend or something like, in his teenage years, and he says, "All right, well, let's let's." His idea of let's have us time. Is, is, you let's know, have a let's smoke have a smoke break. Now, of course, I don't know whether he's necessarily doing that a lot as, you know, uh, a, a new father, but maybe he still is, but I still believe it's all really just a metaphor. Yeah. Not have, it's not necessarily we're going to have a smoke break, it's really more like we just need us time. We need time he, Later ourselves. on he says other things, like, you know, grab up, we used to Netflix and roll. Well, actually, that's uh, half of one half of the other. But still, it's it all comes back to this idea that we just need... Life is busy when you're an adult, especially yeah. when you're an adult with a kid
1: this oddly enough reminds me of papa coligia again um, uh, <laughs> he because he remembers the exact night when he quit smoking pot be as he explained to me he's like well johnny your mother was six months pregnant with you i rolled a joint i watched david letterman and that was it because i knew i had to quit because you were on the way well yeah so like as going through these lyrics listening to that song like the as the more we're talking about i'm like oh Maybe I should introduce my dad to Chance the Rapper with this song. Yeah, this is like directly from your life, well, Dad. Well,
3: what what you also got going for you is this is a killer hook. Like the hook mm-hmm. is phenomenal <laughs> hook on is this track. Pretty great. And if he likes wow. to groove and beat like this, the bass. Oh, the
0: bass he, shows he's up. He's
1: also is. a big steel drums guy, so maybe Angels and this one.
3: But I also <laughs>
0: like here <we're> going <laughs> yeah, your back, gateway, uh, <laughs> gateway <laughs> drugs.
1: I just, I just want my dad to listen to. A different rap album, that's
0: yep. all. Um, one other thing that I want to say about this is I like Future's verse as well because I think it's also, you know, it, it's showing different dynamics, but it all comes back to relationship dynamics. And I think it's come, all coming from a very sweet place, even though the song does sound, you know, very much like a making love song. And and I, I don't know, there's something about that construction and setup that I really kind of honed in on. I thought it was
3: clever, and I, I really dug it. It's the last hook that I really, like, that shows the maturity factor that's going on. Let me crack your back. Let me rub you all down. Take it down. Oh, let me make this blunt. Let me make you dinner or something. Like yeah. like the domestication that's going on right here is, but, is but, pretty heavy. But having heavy. fun with it and, and, and acknowledging it, you it's know? It's got those touches of guitar that shows up. It's got those really, like, kind of... Uh, oddball but very fitting interludes that show up where it's like just a pause in the words and boom you get a little bit of exposition and boom right back and then very like subtle off-tempo ideas in the hooks that are just really cool really enticing that's what jumps up that crazy factor because it feels like everything's kind of falling apart when the hook steps in but it all rounds up together with that that smoke break that ends it
2: yeah, and I think maybe, well, obviously when Future steps in, it's more, I don't have time to finesse, I put, but this is really fast-paced, actually reflecting the fact that they are constantly rushing around. I don't have time to fin- finesse, I put some ice in your back, but I ain't holding you back. Uh, I spend my time on the road, super ain't saving no hose. I don't have time to, tr- put to patrol, uh, let me break these bales right down for a second, when it touched down, when it touched down. It's interesting how this progresses. And you kind of get, well, it's really hard to pick up, like, specific lines when you're actually listening to this. But I, at least in the music, finally, I got a reflection of the actual point of the lyrics. And that's kind of new for this album, because overall, I've thought it has been a lot of uh, arbitrary choices, maybe, in the music. Like, good, but often arbitrary. And here, it's a direct reflection. It does feel directly connected.
3: Not not even not just this one but the last two tracks have been like that have had a lot of connection between the music and the content.
0: Yeah, and I would argue even the, nec- the 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 next double header also has very specific music choices. I think that's kind of the theme for the tail end of this record. Kind of honing in on messaging both in instrumentation and in
3: lyrics. Now Finish Line is the first half and Finish Line is Motown is like to a T kind of like the Jackson 5 representation of Motown. Yeah, so uh, John is, of course, referencing track 13, which is Finish Line slash Drown,
0: which are two songs pretty much smushed together. There's a pause and everything. They are absolutely separate in tone and sound though they play off each other well and we'll get into that but yeah i
3: i like that this reminds me of you know very innocent jackson five years it starts with do 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 do, do. it starts with do's it starts with harmonizing do's to try to set you in that kind of mood to just bop your head back and forth and go along with it and it's enjoy saccharine
0: it. sweet at this
2: point it's you know like you can't help but get a cavity from this track almost yeah i enjoyed this in a kind of passive sense. I mean, I can- I could bob along to this, but I have my reservations about the usage of it. It's textbook Motown. It's good times, and it actually makes me want to watch the show Good Times. I mean, I'm thrown completely back into that era, and I don't know if that's really that good for this album. It actually may have been the only genre which I thought was just a little bit of a stretch, and I'm well aware that Moton, Motown has its roots in gospel, so it's not like- it's not a complete departure. It just felt like a little bit of indulging. I okay. You know how how you you, you love funk. Yeah. When funk shows up. I'm not that
3: deep, but when Motown fo- f- uh, shows up, when it's when it's done like this well, it's I can't I can't go against it. It's it's Motown. You got to give credit where
2: credit is Yeah. Doing.
3: It's just it's hard not to be happy listening to a track like this. Well, yeah, and I
0: think that. Um, The problems that you kind of have with it, Steve, I can overlook because of just how tight it is. I mean, we've talked about with other bands, when you do something so tight that it just works, you're pushing that genre as far as you can and kind of working within it. You're maybe not evolving it or changing it, but I feel like this is one of the tightest pop songs we've heard in a long time that really is just doing what this does. And And I
3: am on board for that. I I have to disagree with that. No, no. T-Pain's hook that shows up is just like... Spot on for this track. It's just so good for it. It's just, yeah, be happy, Be enjoy, enjoy life, live it. And I'm, I'm okay with that. It's not particularly complicated, but I think it's doing a great job of being exactly what it's supposed to be. I also kind of really
0: like in the lyrics how in verse two Chance the Rapper plays the reference game like oh. pretty heavy mentioning you know Space Jam and MC Hammer and and you know Ludacris and but I, but it's done in a way that I'm kind of like oh yeah yeah you know I get I'm, I get wrapped up in it I I don't know I I get where Steve's coming from but I just feel like I got. It's another moment where this album has that kind of effect on me. I feel like I just get really super engaged with the track, and I can let
2: the flaws fall past, even though I can see them when you point them it's out. It's become the catch-all term to just shut down all arguments, right? I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I get where you're coming from, but I just think that the track is what it has to be. <laughs> I, I mean, know. but that's not even it. It's. It, I'm not even saying
0: that. I'm saying that I... I am not saying you're wrong. I just really enjoy it
2: on a superficial level, right. yeah. and that's showing my own flaws if we're flaws. being if we're being superficial about it. All right, fine. No, I, I, I even it's even got the choir. You know, the doo doo doos, a la Jackson Five. It, it's just it feels like it's to a T what other bands have done before.
1: But clearly, if it's a reference and it's intentional, then what can you say about it? But that's part one. Part one. Also, maybe it being so heavily referential, such kind of a display of Motown is probably why it's coupled with Drown, is that maybe he thought, you know what, this one can't quite stand on its own because it's...
2: That's a good point. Perhaps, and, absolutely.
1: And that's actually probably the
3: best argument for something that's about to come up in a couple minutes.
1: That's why I put that up. There. Okay.
3: So,
0: yeah, so Drown <laughs> is much slower, deeper. You know, it, this is self-reflective, and, you know, it's, it's quite different from what we were just getting with Finish Line. And I think what I appreciate about it being paired with Finish Line is that it gives you pause for a moment. There's an actual pause. You really just stop
2: for a minute and think. And I like that. I gotta give it to to her, the rapper here. Um, If indeed it is a rap, is somewhat captivating. No Uh, Name, yes. This would be No Name, yeah. It's, here's the thing. I think that the flow is really interesting because it's just this consistent, fast pace. It's just it's a, it's a roll, right? Yeah. And then the vocal quality here, that's a little different because it leaves, it leaves something to be desired. The vocal quality is kind of back to the same slurring thing that we've been doing earlier. In which case, I'm in a weird position where I'm enthralled by the flow and yet I'm having one of those can't get on board with the with the vocal quality that that problem that is kind of an elephant in the room. I don't know how you can get over that. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting. It's yeah. still interesting.
0: I think that also, I mean, this also, this second part, John point that out, that we have another moment here where Chance really is nowhere to be found. He doesn't sing at all here. He might have been part of the writing, but for this second half of the song, for Drown. He's nowhere to be found, and I like that. I like when an artist, I'm, whether it's intentional or not, and I'm sure it is, taking yourself out of the equation to let your friends tell your story almost. And, and I like that. I think it's a cool concept.
3: And in Drown, besides No Name, we also get uh, Kirk Franklin, which honestly Kirk like holds it down, especially yeah. during the choruses. I I I love everything that's really going on with this track, because of like the content's good, mm-hmm. the the flow is good. Here's the big question I'm going to come to, and this is like a point of contention that we kind of got into before the show. Why are they one track? And here's my issue, and I'll open the floor to counter-arguments, but here's my issue. When I want to hear finish line, I want to hear finish line. When I want to hear drown, I want to hear drown. I don't always want to hear them together. And sometimes I'm going to want to hear drown by itself, and that's... I mean, there's just there's the, the little issue of yes, I gotta skip forward to it, or I have to create a a separate track. But when it comes to a lot of the great like combinations or duo tracks, uh, recently I wrote a little blurb. We all wrote a little blurb, but I wrote a little blurb about Abbey Road, and in it I mentioned um, I mentioned the 16 minute medley, and what's great about that medley is. The individual sections stand up on their own, and I can enjoy them separately. But as a whole, I don't say it's greater than its parts or lesser. It's, it's a whole different experience. It's a, it's, it's a different... it's game-changing in a lot of ways. Or, I like the classic, uh, We Are the Champions, We Will Rock You. I can listen to those two tracks together pretty much ad nauseum, but I can still enjoy them, maybe even more so, separately. We will rock you. It does one thing. We are the champions does another. We're getting the same sort of idea here. Finish line is uplifting and, and, and bolding. Drown is, is almost the counterpoint to it. And I understand why they're paired together. But I don't understand why they're one unit. Why they are one
0: track. Well, I have... I mean, besides what Johnny said, which is it may just be that finish line he didn't think stood up on its own by itself... Sure, I could see that. But I think for me, it's in, an, in a culture of downloads and singles and piecemeal, he want I think chance intended for these to be together. And when you can piecemeal whatever you want, make your own mixes, make your own playlists, his
3: feeling is these songs should be paired together forever. And that's a great argument. That actually would be like that, that would be my, the, the kind of argument I'd recognize as like, good. Yeah, that's, that's perfect.
0: And so that's that's kind of where I come from, because I don't think I would ever want to hear these tracks separately. I haven't since I've started listening to this album.
1: I'd also say, looking at the lyrics and really digging into them today, I was uh, thematically, I feel like Finish Line is about reaching out, trying to reach your maximum potential, and Drown is about enduring and asking, in this, case, in this gospel sense, God for strength yeah. to get to the finish line. So I think that's why possibly they're companion pieces. Yeah. It's their are two sides of the same coin. There's it's about uh, ambition and endurance. Like yeah. You can't you can't get what you want for your ambition if you can't endure to get to that finish line.
2: I am a hundred percent with you. That's actually what I was kind of that's the, the the sentence I was kind of working on right there, because of the idea the water may be deeper than it's ever been. I mean it, it initially Especially considering the Motown environment, and because it's borrowed from, from gospel a little bit, it seems like it's just all so easy, you know, the the whole give yourself up to God kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Do, do, do. It's not that easy, as it's clearly, you know, Lord rained down on me so I can move on water, uh, like children at the altar, like God inside my house. I love you, I love you, you looking holy like mama, you made a church out of feathers, so when she fly to the Father, she know the choir gonna follow and all the offering paid. She gave my name away to to your holy house. She like my blessings in disguise. She like her Jesus mountain high, so he can watch her lonely child. I know my God, I know my God, sees his breaks and his edges, are jagged for forgiving his that pain to his city in gold, like everything is everything, like all them days he prayed with me, like emptiness was tamed in me, all that was left was his love. It's, uh, it's not... All of those things are the seemingly impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really interesting uh, idea. Um, Enter Cynic Steve wasn't digging the music here either. I don't know. It was what it was. And I think that the reason I'm not making too much a big deal about the pair here. Is because I don't think that there was any musical connectivity whatsoever. It was simply a message connect, like concept, yeah. which I believe we would have been able to infer had they been back to back tracks. Sure, because they essentially I they I, essentially are. I can't argue there's a, that. There's a hard cut, hard pause. Yeah, 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 I know. I couldn't argue that. Like I said, my logic kind of weaves around yeah. that. But you're right. Like, I it just I feel like the reason you would put them back to back is if there was both the message connectivity and something musical. But I was straining to find anything really. Yeah, see, I think the message Motown connectivity is,
0: is enough to put them together.
2: Okay. All right. Whatever. Sure. It's just a slash in the end.
0: All right. Let's move on to the final track, which is Blessings, which is a reprise of Blessings, which we had earlier on the record. This one, though, features a slew of folks who sing the uh, the final outro, but it's T.Y. Dolla Sign, Anderson Pack, BJ, the Chicago Kid, Nico Siegel, uh, Lola Brown, Haha Davis, and I think even more. Oh, but, you know, I, I don't have a ton to say about this track, really, because it's it's pretty straightforward and short. But what I like as a reprise for the close is that, you know, it it does feel like it's a nice little neat bow on the record, whether we need that or not. I don't for the way the messaging and the way this record's kind of been built as a mixtape that's still a little random, but still not. I like the kind of bow they're putting on it by bringing back something that had already been stated a little bit earlier.
2: This is when, when we were listening together, I realized just how crazily um, diverse our opinions were going to be on yeah. this record on a track by track basis. Because judging from your setup there, you know, it's just like, nah, it's an ending. You know, it didn't yeah. seem like you were really that invested in this at all. And meanwhile, I'm not a cynic here at all. Yeah. I thought this rap, particularly, was beautiful. And despite that, it was really less rapped. It was really more of just a poetry slam. It felt like yeah. a, a recitation, in fact, a lot but of halting, a
3: halting, surprisingly. Yeah,
2: but a recitation with a lot of inflection. There are sections of this verse where you can hear him like welling up the tears yeah. amidst some of these lines. Um, I, I was loving this. I thought he was actually at the top of his game. Don't get me wrong, I have some issues with the track in terms of the music. I didn't really like the background screeching vocals or the soundbite material. It kind of just muddied the waters. It's back to that whole lack of finesse argument. But in general, the the rap, I think, overtakes that here. And I thought it was more than just a fine bow as far as his rapping style was concerned. Yeah. He saved one of the best for last to me.
3: I, if... if- I'm in between, so I'll say the reason I'm leaning a little bit more towards Steve is the content, but a little bit more towards Matt here. The actual outro of just the ad nauseum repetition of "Are you ready for your blessings? Are you ready for your miracles?" and the it just it's long, and I understand why it's so long, but it's having that to be like a mantra. Yes, but it's really long, and that in and of
0: itself is bothersome for me. Yes. Yeah, see, I didn't feel the length of it. I, I I, think that, while you know, I didn't think this was a pizzazzy ending. I don't think it was supposed to be either, and I think maybe Faith has a lot to do with it. But truthfully, you know, I think that the this... I mean, the rap, I agree with Steve. I don't want to shortchange that at all. I think it was really well done, this kind of spoken word discussion piece. But, uh, you know, I... I didn't feel that waning repetition on that the outro like you did.
1: Uh, I definitely did actually feel the outro was a little long. No and I mean like by seconds. I think there was there's a point where they where they start doing a change up in some of the background instrumentation as they, they end the album and a part of me was just like, if that had come in like five seconds earlier, I wouldn't have started to notice that maybe it was running a bit.
2: That's interesting. It's, Sometimes it is just the small things in music. Yeah, little is. single choices, then they affect how people interpret things. Well, to, I'll be honest. Um, first few
3: times, I really remember hearing uh, a very similar idea, Hey Jude. I'm not a fan of how long it took <laughs> to go on from Hey Jude, but it, like, it was one of those tracks that like, you can't dislike that song. By the end of it, like, you're singing along to it by the, the fifth or sixth repetition. It's one of those tracks that you're just in love with because it's, it's
2: quote, timeless. I could see this potentially becoming that. I just don't know if it ever really will. Well, in terms of bias material, I mean, I've talked about before how that track gets away with having a, a ridiculously long na-na-na outro. Yeah. And now I can't stand when any artist uses the word na ever again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, death to na-na-na.
2: Death to na-na-na. That's right. it. It was done. Leave it be. (laughs) Well, if there's no finer point on wrapping up this album, I don't know what it is. (laughs) I'll go first. Okay. This is... This was a little bit of a tough one for me because I realized that... Forget about the yin-yang theory. I think this album was really just a separate list of categories for me. I had to just mark... You know, uh, high marks on this, low marks on that, it just kept going from one to the other. You gotta talk about uh, vocal inflection, of which he's absolutely very expressive. You gotta talk about the rapping itself, of which he's absolutely got a great flow. Um, And occasionally a little bit slurry, so maybe just a little less than great on that, I don't know. Uh, I like to hear the raps, and in this case, it was kind of a 50-50 thing. A lot of this stuff just kind of blurred together, and I thought that was a real problem for this album as a whole, and it remained problematic for actually all of his featured artists. Maybe there's a little, uh extra part of me that's that's looking at this with more scrutiny because of the last rap album that we got, which was The Impossible Kid by Aesop Rock, to which we were amazed at how much he enunciated everything. Yeah. You know? Maybe that's the exception to the rule when you're talking about rapping. Maybe a little bit of flow know, is actually so. considered part of the art. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this in terms of how a lot of, you know, hip hop critics would approach this. We are by far not hip hop critics, but we try to dabble in as much as we can. I'm trying to take this against like just everything that is out there and as a rule, I like to hear you know the stuff that that people are saying for me it comes out more in the hooks here and then you infer it and then of course we're sitting here with lyrics in front of us as we've been doing for so so many episodes now and then we get into the finer points of the metaphors and Matt gets to pick out his uh his uh Peter Pan analogy, which is what's clearly props. intentional props to you for props that props to him okay um you're the
1: only one that caught it man you take those props that's sure right. i will take i've taken em. them
2: this is, uh, these are only components, though. I haven't even touched upon music yet, and the music is often curious, often alluring, and yet at the same time very unfulfilling. I feel a lot of this stuff, starting from that first time I heard those those that, that brass in here, I thought, oh, that's going to be a feature. That's going to be an album, uh, I don't wanna say motif, because it's a flat out, it's an instrument, it's... it's a tool. Um, And I thought it was going to be a tool throughout all of these tracks. And it really didn't make much of an appearance again. Instead, what we have, the one through line is the gospel through line. The message here is overall a kind of explanation as to how he either came around to God, right, or had moved away from it, and then trying to kind of reason this out with various Uh, some of his featured artists' perspectives, which actually I think is a really great thematic tool because what better to have, you know, a theological debate without, you know, actually getting other people's perspectives. And he himself has said that his, his featured artists did a great job in terms of both that and his producers did a great job. It's just all these things... You see how they, it's hard for me to reconcile them all together. Right. They're all just separate categories and I can't think of an album recently which has just been so separate. There was really not a single track on this album where I just felt was a cohesive unit of everything, blending together and working as one. I could always see them as like, alright, uh, now what kind of music are we gonna do to this, this song? I got the theme, I got the lyrics, they were written first, uh, again just kind of postulating here. Oh, or vice versa. Great beat. I think that'll be something for these lyrics. I never got the semblance of a whole. And the problem also that came with that is I never got the moments, the distinct moments that I was just like, oh, that that moment where he makes that transition and he goes from one chord to the next, that brought out the luster of this track. Those things were lacking. It just becomes a game of virtuosic talent where there is some. um, and pointing them out as you go. So I think... I think this is a good album, but the lack of integration, I don't think it puts it in that like great territory, the great territory that I deemed begin, I guess, the fours, as we've typically been. I think uh, because that integration isn't quite there, this is a 3.9 for me. There's just something holding it back from the fours.
3: I am in much of the same boat as Steve. I I wanted a lot more music going on, I think, really, at the end of the day. And most of the def- the, the, the tracks I was really defensive on, like trying to protect, I, it's, it's a lot of like superficial reasons why I really enjoyed it. Like Finish Line, yeah, I know it's just a very basic yet well-made Motown track. It doesn't do much more than be exactly what it's supposed to be but i i like the honesty that's associated with that as well i mean that's that's another thing that definitely comes through oh a, a musician makes music about things he knows he makes music about being honest and, and but here this guy's like it's hard on the sleeve kind of stuff and pretty impressive for such a young man to to kind of know himself so well to make it to make an album like this i i don't think the producers and the guest spots were just positive or just negative on this album, and that's the hardest part for me, in that the different voices that show up, like I said before, in many ways, the musical changes was in the actual voices as opposed to any of the the musical instruments, and that seemed to be a major theme when multiple guests were showing up on a track that was good sometimes, it was bad other times. It seems like that was the experiment that was going on right here. Can uh, such a, a not just a collaborative idea come together and do it? Not, this isn't FFS where it's like, this one band that does one thing, this one band that does another thing came together and made this monstrosity of beauty or horribleness. You, it's, it's more of, I have this theme, well I have all my friends and family working with me and can we make something Yet it's still chance. In many ways, it works beautifully. Like, you you see him. In many ways, it didn't. That is the juxtaposition that's going on right here that's making it so difficult to really pin down. Is it a great or terrible album? Because in a lot of places, I, I'd probably be giving it more credit for doing certain things or a lot less credit for doing other things. But it, at the end of the day, like it's it's solid in its arc, even though it seems to come from all over the place, it's solid in its theme, in that it in it has a very clear cut identity, and it's just it's it's solid writing, solid vocals, solid beat work. It's just missing the wow factor. So I'm very close to Steve, but I'm on the other side. I'm at a four point two. Um, I'm gonna be brief only because I feel like.
0: You know, we're hitting a point yeah. with this record where we're going to start repeating ourselves. Because I think we're all, even though I think we're all in different places with the final result, I think we're using similar language to describe what we do and don't like. Whereas Steve might use X to describe why he did like it. I might use similar language to talk about why I don't. You know, Because I think it's still pretty face value as a record. So I'm just going to say that I think the theme was phenomenal. I think this really is a personal mixtape of using your friends and your resources to convey your life and what you're going through. And I like that a lot. That said, I don't know that I'll go back to this album that much. I don't know. There was something about it, I think, as a whole that, and maybe it's the cohesiveness that Steve was talking about musically, but I just, as far as other rap records I really like, this one, I think it's a a mixed bag, so I would take the songs that I like and I'll listen to those. I don't think I'd listen to the whole album. And that's rare for me. Usually if I like the majority of the tracks... I'll listen to the whole album, but I don't I don't know that I'll do that with this. But I I do love his style. I still think that, you know, I got a lot of what I loved about him on Donnie Trumpet. Um, but I guess maybe I just liked him in more focused doses, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Not every artist is for everybody. I just, it's hard. To, I think the difficulty for me is hard to pinpoint <laughs> what I don't love about it, but I know there's things I don't love about it. That's the I, it factor. Yeah, and I think I enjoy it, and I'm I'm enjoying you know a lot of it. But you know, I don't know. I'm in this weird nebulous place. But but I'm I'm with John. I'm still on the higher side of it. I think because I there's definitely an undeniable talent here. Um, but you know, I'm just above where Steve is. I'm an even four. I think that there. I think this is a really good album. That showcase his talent, and it's one of those cases where I really want to see what he does next, especially since this was a mixtape. This wasn't high concept. This wasn't him producing it. So I'd really be curious to see as he focuses in on himself and his own work and maybe does more stuff on his own where he goes from here. But all in all, I don't think it holds up in the pantheon because it's still more or less just a mixed bag, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think just for me, I wanted something a little more cohesive. Johnny?
1: Uh... I was actually really surprised by this album because I picked it based on the single so I was expecting something a bit more of a party album. Yeah. So I got something way heavier and much more musically diverse than I was expecting. So I I was really pleased and basically everything everybody liked I also liked. I think the reason my score is going to go up a little bit higher is because I actually do see me my uh, see myself <coughs> revisiting this album. Okay. Because it's there's so much happening. Yeah. And I think I just want... it. There's so many different illusions. There's so much personal stuff from Chance. There's so many weird little things that, even though I've listened to this album now something like 10 times in the last week, I just noticed today. Mm-hmm. I feel like it will reward me for re-listening to it. And this is the first hip-hop album in, I don't know, a year or two that I've really gotten into. Like, the entire album. So I think I'm going to go with... a. 4.4. 4. Hmm. All right. Because so, I'm, I'm definitely going to be coming. I might listen to this on the way <laughs>
2: Well, all right. All right. No, that's, that's We've a, done a that. A our argument times. is any. All, all right. right. Well, so uh, you're going to get to do your plugs in a little bit. But first, we have some stuff to do. First of all, it's spam time. We and don't then... have
0: real fan mail, so we read spam emails. We get real right. fan mail. Just but not frequently
2: enough. Spam mail is easy to make fun of. That's true. All right. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's stupid whenever they don't. I am to write this letter each day, saying what tiny mind, and offering up the tools, hopefully, for you to make an investment decisions. And also sponsor for the letter is actually a bank. Sure, you'll find loads of investment letters you can get, but they don cover the stuff I cover. If they came close, they sure don because of a bank. (laughs) I bank. I've been lucky with two banks. It actually three banks. But the don, like uh, the one I left off, that we've been regarding Mark Twain Bank and Everbank. What? That's, and well, who is that by? That's by Build an App and Mayblegek.
3: Maybe she's permanent. Maybe it's, it's ma- Maple. maple black. Ma- ma- <laughs> Maybe
2: maple it's Maple. Like halfway through, you start coughing. <laughs> uh, okay. Maybe it's Maple. G- For a
1: second, I thought I was having a stroke. That yes, was, I was
2: theme, smelling toast. Too. thing. Yeah. That,
1: yeah, that was. My left
2: arm went
3: numb.
1: <sighs> yeah, I don't understand why people still use spam bots when all they do is generate crazy talk.
3: <laughs> yep.
0: I.
1: Uh, What's
3: even funnier is that it's almost always commenting on one of our pictures.
0: Not even the actual poster episode. So yeah. it's
1: just a robot looking talking. At a, talking.
2: You can't even look at it. It doesn't have eyes. I don't understand how they used the proper contraction don't initially and then later on it's just Don. I don't know what you're talking about. It's programming. It's like, <laughs> if you did it once, you can do it later. Maybe that's AI. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Say, part the, of their plan. The faults we see are actually their successes. Maybe. And they will undo us in All the right. end. Wait, well, can
1: we get a Terminator that speaks like this? Can Schwarzenegger record, just read a bunch of Spambot emails? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's actually, three banks. I don't
0: that. like the yeah. one I left off.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's as close as we'll get.
3: All right, John, what are we doing next week? Uh, We're going to do... Radiohead, which has been a long time since they made my favorite album of OK Computer, even though they had a of other things, but Karma Police and Paranoid Android are frankly like the greatest songs of all time, at least by them. Uh, they produced a new album this past year, which I was surprised to see because I kind of forgot about Radiohead. It's one of those bands you kind of forget about because it's been a while. A Moon-Shaped Pool. All right. Yes. Well, come on. Karma Police paranoid and they off. like they like
0: the waxing of the alakots. Oh, all right i think that i will leave I'd... my comments about uh um radiohead until next week because you know i'm familiar with them on a very
2: 10,000-foot view level, I'm not super intricately knowledgeable about them. I'd like to let the audience in on a little secret. I tried to pick Radiohead in earlier June. There's actually a little dead um, portion of this podcast, something that may make its way into outtakes. There's nothing funny about it. It's me actually saying, we're going to review Radiohead, and then me finding out that they weren't on Spotify at the time. A moon-shaped pool was only recently added, because apparently Radiohead, as I had forgotten at the time, has a lot of issues with Spotify. And maybe something in that time has been resolved? Maybe. I guess we'll yeah. look into that for next week. I <laughs> care. Okay, I got to and take I, it. Yeah, I know. You kind of got to usurp it from me, but that's, uh, neener, that's fine. Neener. I'm not, like, I don't know Radiohead that well. And what I had said when I was ready to pick it then was that it was an interesting chance for us to, I guess, look at the band who I've heard so many good things from so many people and I... I honestly am just ready to challenge that head-on. Not, not, not approach it with skepticism, but just the right amount of, like, let me see what they're talking about.
1: Radiohead fans are intense in a way sometimes. Mm-hmm. That can be off-putting. Yep. Like, <laughs> they, like, like certain fandoms, like Battlestar Galactica reboot, and Radiohead, and Shakespeare people. And it
2: always whenever a Radiohead co- album comes out, it's the best album ever made. So, uh, all right, no, I'm going to be honest. It is skepticism. I, this is going into Crash Course territory here. We'll see what it is after two hours. <laughs> all right, well, Johnny, thank you for bringing us this record.
0: I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I appreciate you reaching out and being proactive. We will absolutely have you back. Um,
1: Fantastic. Is it, is it plug? May I plug? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so I wanted
0: to go back to that. And so, yes, of course, we've promoted your burlesque and all the stuff that you do. Please plug some shows coming up where people can find you.
1: Wonderful. Okay, so in New York City, Wednesday night, August 3rd, I'm going to be performing in White Elephant Burlesque. I believe it is a going-away celebration for Miss Dick Jones before she moves to New Orleans. Uh, That's by Victor Devon. It's at Rock Bar. Uh, Gay Bar, bar, by the way, and if you like to drink shows, come to this one. It is a hard-drinking show. (laughs) Uh, Then August 6th, that Saturday, I will be at in Washington, D.C. at the Beer Baron Tavern in DuPont Circle. Uh, this one I will be hosting, producing, and performing in. The Pasty Games, a Hunger Games tribute. Uh, Mary Sin's going to be on that one. Mini DiMucha. If you are in Washington, D.C. that weekend, please come. It will be a good one.
3: You, did you call PETA? Or, or, or...
1: I think that might actually be our stage kitten. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, uh, Oh, no, I'm going to be Caesar Flickerman. I'm going to be uh, Sally Tucci. Oh. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I love Stanley Tucci. I had this moment where I'm like, oh, my God, he's in a bunch of my favorite movies. You just can't tell because he's that different from Roll to Yeah. And then uh, last plug, August 20th, I will be performing in Homo Erectus at Stonewall for Mr. Matt Knife. Uh, And I believe that's going to be because Matt Knife loves hairy men. That's going to be me and a lot of other hairy guys. So if that's your thing, I will see you there. All
0: right. Well, I want to thank you again, Johnny, for coming on the show and for reaching out. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you, and please come back. Um, I would ask you to please honor us by reading our sign-off for this episode.
1: Music is life, and life is good.